I'm sorry, but you were getting handled. I, I really am done with this. Yeah, I, I would disagree with you about their identity. I think you're overselling Sean Clifford because you want to make that point about he left the game Wrong. in a one score game. Are you ready to admit that they're a legit football team? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say that they are playoff worthy. Do you think that Ian Book is an above average quarterback? Above average, yes. Mark, does Patrick Mahomes look like more than a better than an average quarterback to you? Oh my goodness. You and your revisionist history. This is the That's Debatable Podcast. Welcome to That's Debatable. It's time for our college football week seven wrap up. And I'm not going to call it an interesting week. Uh, that's what I've been calling it. I caught myself doing that in the last podcast. But for me, just in a lot of ways, a disappointing week. And not only in my own team, but in some other things that we saw uh, happen out in Knoxville, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, disappointing, I you know, uh, from from a lot of angles for me. Um, it was also disappointing that there really weren't very many like great games. Um, I think there was a couple of really good games. There were some good games, but like the best game of the day was overshadowed by nonsense. Um, so we'll talk about that here momentarily. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we only had three games uh, that we were looking at. Um, Kentucky, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Texas. BYU and Baylor. So we're going to buzz through those pretty quickly because there's really not much that I, I think really needs to be said in those games. Uh, and then we'll get to uh, the Iowa-Purdue game and the Tennessee-Old Miss fiasco is what I've seen it called several times on the interwebs, uh, which is probably fairly accurate. Um, but fiasco can... Now, it pretty much that pretty much always has a negative connotation. It was wild and crazy for sure. Um in both good and bad ways. We'll talk about that here shortly. But let's start with a team that we probably won't be talking about anymore. Sorry, Sean, but two weeks in a row now. So BYU at Baylor. Um I picked Baylor in this one. Um it was only the second time I picked against BYU. And I just had confidence in Baylor at home. Um, being able to put up a lot of points, and that's what they did. 38 points, held BYU. I I mean, held them to 24. 24 is kind of a meh. It's not like a great defensive effort, but it's not like lighting up the scoreboard either. So it's kind of in that. It's, it's right there on the fringe. Like many more points than that, and you feel like you're giving up a lot. Because if you give up another, you get it into the 27 to 30 range, that's a lot of points. But if you go much lower than that, you know, like 21, 20, anything less than that, you feel like that's usually a pretty good defensive performance. But, uh, yeah, this one was just Baylor pretty much start to finish. Um, in fact, I don't think they – oh, they did trail. They trailed briefly in the second quarter, 7-3. to three, um, And then they went up 10-7, 17-7. 17-14, so but then it, then it kind of – Went off the rails here. 24, 14, 31, 14, 31, 17, 38, 17. And a kind of garbage time touchdown with um, just under two minutes left. 
Um, is that dude's name Puka? Am I seeing that right? Puka? Uh, Please tell me it's Puka. I don't know which is worse for a dude to be named Puka because that sounds like a little fluffy dog, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if I had a Puka, if I told you like my pet Puka, <laughs> I don't like, I don't think you would feel like it was a ferocious guard dog. Um, but Puka, <laughs> that's worse. I think, I don't even know. Sean, if you're listening, send us like a little pronunciation guide on how to say that. I'm going to call him Puka. Puka Nakua. Nakua. I don't know. That's, <laughs> gotta, I guess yeah, that's the receiver. Puka. That's the receiver. Um, Jaron Hall it was the quarterback, but yeah, Puka. Puka Nakua. That's not a very Mormon sounding name. That didn't end in Romney or like Smith or Jones or Young. <laughs> um. All right, that's enough cheap shots. But BYU, sorry, we're done with you. We're kind of closing the book on that chapter. We thought maybe you were gonna make things kind of interesting, and we'll see you be. next year in in Las Vegas, and that'll be probably yeah. See you in Vegas. That we talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't foresee us talking about them unless it's if we do like bowl coverage, maybe. Or they be, and, you know, somebody like really good, which I don't think will happen. So. Yeah, and I don't know that they have really anyone left on their schedule that would intrigue us. They have Washington State, Virginia, Idaho State, Georgia Southern, USC. So I guess if you beat USC at the end of the year, we're probably there's like a one percent chance we cover that game. But if you beat USC, I'll tell you what. Here's my deal, and only because my boy Sean sometimes listens. <laughs> um, if you beat USC, we'll give you like a tip of the cap nod in the recap. That's the best I can offer right now. Like this is like, you know, speaking of Vegas, this is like the Pawn Stars where BYU's <laughs> like, can we get coverage of the BYU-USC? Best I can do is a tip of the cap on the recap. That's all I got for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and only if you win. Because, um, ah, uh, man. I feel like that one really could go either way. As of right now, matchup predictor has USC at 67% and BYU at 33. So, oh man, I'm not going to, nope. I'm not going to make any of the jokes that are I'm not going to do it. All right. Moving on to the next game. Texas is back out of the top 25 after another loss uh, at home. Um, so this is now their third loss, right? Yes, it is. So we really, Texas really should be back out of our conversation, I would think. This is another team that I don't know that I feel like covering much more. I'm looking yep. at their schedule real quick to see if anything else. No. No, Texas, same thing. Like, you play Baylor next week, we're not talking about it. Just saying <laughs> it right now. We're not talking about that game. I don't care. Uh, Iowa State, don't care. Kansas, stop it. And West Virginia, two and four currently. Yeah. So Texas, you're officially off of our radar. Um, have a nice life. I'll come see you. I'll, I'll wave. I'll wave as I drive by Irving uh, from, from Dallas driving down to San Antonio. I'll wave. Maybe I'll even give you like a horns down <laughs> because that, that was just embarrassing. Um, but we do need to take a minute or two to talk about this. Not because of Texas, but because of Oklahoma State. Because we said going into this, like, we both picked Texas in this game. We didn't feel like the body of work 
from Oklahoma, we felt like they were a team that, or excuse me, Oklahoma State, that they might have been slightly overranked at 12. Um, because when you looked at some of their games, um, I mean, they beat K-State when they were ranked, but K-State has been playing with a third-string quarterback. They've not looked particularly good. They lost again this last weekend to Iowa State. Um, only a touchdown win over Missouri State, a five-point win over Tulsa, a one-point win over Boise State. Um, the the 10-point win over Baylor is looking a little bit better now. Um, sure. And then this win, this win over Texas. So, um, you know, they're in, in the AP, they're up to eighth. Um, I do think that there's a potential, like, I'm going to say right now, we will most likely cover their upcoming game because their game at Jack Trice Stadium against Iowa State does intrigue me. Iowa State has been a very good October football team uh, the last couple of years. So that's one we'll, we will probably preview. So not a guarantee, but probably. I haven't looked fully at next week's schedule, but that's that's one that at least... If we don't preview it, it'll be on our notable games list. I'll put it that way. Um, so Oklahoma State, props to you. Like you've kind of got our attention um, a little bit more here with this win, and not because we were necessarily sold on Texas, but we were less sold on you. Texas had looked decent, uh, was favored in this game, and, um, well, and they led. Home. They led seventeen to three at one point. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was they had a two touchdown lead. So again, I, I, I have to I can't the one thing I don't want to do is is be inconsistent. And I really do try to be as consistent as I can when evaluating teams. And it, it wouldn't be fair of me to say like I, I've given Oklahoma props for being able to win and come back when it looked ugly, including against Texas, where they were down three scores, came back and won, and so the final score was close and they gave up a lot of points but i gave them credit for coming down coming back 21 or uh 28 7 um in the first quarter no less and this was 17 3 midway through the second so um you know Bijan robinson did his thing in this game but other than that um this was this was a a very solid win on the road um at texas Again, as an underdog, as the higher ranked team, still as an underdog in terms of the um, matchup predictor and the Vegas line and a win there. So um, it wasn't a uh, great quarterback play on either side. Um, it was really a story of the running game. So Bijan Robinson, 21 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Warren, though, on the other end, 33 carries, 193. Um, so that's obviously like its own, its own level of impressive there. Um, so a very solid win and it does make that Oklahoma game to end the season really a big one, especially if they win this game. So if they beat Iowa state, which I think they can and probably will though, here's, this is fascinating. So I just happened to look at this, Mark. What, tell me what you think of this. So Iowa state. Um, which who was their other loss? Baylor. Who Iowa State? Yeah, um, Baylor and Iowa, right? Or yeah, Baylor and Iowa. Yes, I'm almost I'm almost positive. Yes. So, 
Iowa State is a touchdown favorite, a seven-point favorite at home in this game against eighth-ranked Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, this just follow, I mean, it follows suits with what we've been talking about all year. That one's really incredible to me because, to me, that's fairly disrespectful because you just said that they were, not you, you, the, the odds makers or whatever, just had them as a three-and-a-half-point dog on the road at 25th-ranked Texas, ranked 12th. And they handled their business there on the road, and now they go on the road, and they're an even bigger underdog to an unranked team as an even higher-ranked team. Well, I think that you're overselling by, like, saying handled their business. This was 24-16 to Texas in the fourth quarter. Like, in the final eight minutes of the game, Texas had a two-point lead. They had a 16-point fourth quarter, which I'm not, again, like, that's incredible. But it's not like they control. I mean, they're losing for over, you know, three fourths of the game. So I, I'm I'm just saying, again, they haven't had a super impressive win. You don't think that Texas is really all that good? They're not. They're definitely back. They're not going to be ranked anymore. A- and they were trailing until the final minutes of this game. So I'm just saying, I, I, it's a good win for them. But I wouldn't say it's like. I think the score is a little bit. Um, overshadowing their actual performance in this game. And you talked about like both quarterbacks really didn't play all that well. So again, right. That's fine. Like I, I'm not disagreeing with you there and I'm not trying to over. When I say handle their business, I mean like they came in as an underdog on the road and, and walked out with a win. So I guess maybe like, I don't mean like handled, like manhandled Texas. I just mean like they took, they took care of business. Maybe is a better way to say that. I don't know. They, they got the job done and left with a win. Um, but my point is, like, yes, it's not that I'm super high on Texas. I do think that they are a pretty good football team. That's why, again, you and I both picked them to win. But it's more of like I would, I would put Texas as every bit as good as Iowa State, and Oklahoma st- State still found a way to win that game. That's where... That's where to me it's it's strange um, that you would be an even bigger underdog um, at Iowa State who also hasn't looked that great, um, and their Iowa loss after this week looks even worse. But um, you know their Baylor loss maybe softens it as well. I don't know. It, you, you're kind of getting into circular reasoning a little bit there, but. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what like like I said. We'll either preview or that'll be a notable game next week. Um, but that just that caught my eye, and I just want to get your thoughts on that because I just I don't know what people are seeing from Iowa State or or not seeing from Oklahoma State that you would give them a seven point. Because again, we've talked about the three point rule, right? Like you get yep. three for being at home. That means you're still a, a, a field a, goal a field better. goal plus, which isn't um, for I mean the Cyclones. Likely to happen, like anything can happen. This has been one of the most incredible seasons as far as upsets in the top twenty-five ranked teams. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it is not unlikely that the Cyclones could walk off that game with a field goal. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I yes, um, but that's why again, I don't, I don't love them as a seven point. I don't know. We're getting into a, a preview, and this is a recap. So, anyway, Oklahoma State, hats off. You remain undefeated, 6-0. They bump up to number eight 
in the AP poll. We'll get to where each of us has them. If if you have them in the top ten, uh, we'll see where where you have them there. Um, and then you know, in our water is wet segment again, Georgia is still really good. Um, you you kind of wondered. I I didn't think they were necessarily in trouble, but I you had talked about early. You felt like Kentucky's defense may be good enough to keep them in the game early on. Um, and it did for for a while there. Um, at least half the game. Right. It was 14 to 7 at halftime, right? Yeah. So, and 0 to 0 at the end of the first. Yeah. So, I mean, it was now, granted, um, you know, a little. A little trickery and different things that but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you score. Like I don't you know you know as long as it's legal, it doesn't I don't care if you're somebody's doing a cartwheel on the side of the field or whatever. Like <laughs> as long as it's legal, it doesn't it counts all the same. And so they scored with with four minutes left and managed to, you know, not let Georgia score again in that amount of time. So if you're Kentucky going into halftime, you have to feel pretty good about this. Hey, we're only one score down. Um, I don't know who got the ball to start the second half, but um, but uh, you know, again, uh, I'm assuming it's Georgia because they scored uh, with 12 minutes uh, with 12 minutes still to go in the third. So I'm assuming they came out and scored right away, um, and then they just kind of kept adding on and adding on, and then. <laughs> This was I, I, the one thing I did think was kind of funny. Um, you know, Will Levis throws a touchdown with four seconds left, and I had picked Georgia to cover. I thought they had a good chance to actually still cover the twenty-one and a half, and here they were leading by twenty-three points, and then with four seconds left, uh, a garbage time touchdown <laughs> by Kentucky um, to ruin those. Those gambling odds. So those are those are the ones Vegas loves. Um, those those late. That's the. I don't know if that made bad breaks or not. Um, but uh, and then out of frustration, Georgia blocks the extra point. The other thing I thought was interesting. I don't know if it was out of frustration, but the one thing I did think was interesting was Kentucky is the only team that has scored two touchdowns against Georgia, um, and. Georgia still has not allowed more than 13 in a game. <laughs> um, so it just, this team and this defense, I just don't know anybody that's really going to do any, I mean, again, just to recap for our listeners, in case you've been living in a bomb shelter somewhere. So they've allowed, let's see here, 3, 10, 23, Still 23, still 23, 33, 46 points. Um, 46 points in six games. So they're just now at giving up basically a touchdown average per game. Hmm. I mean, they're incredible. But again, my, my one thing that I want, that I want to say about this team is they have yet to play a really, really good offense. And I know they beat Clemson at the beginning of the year, but Clemson has far underperformed, and I would not call that a good offense. Oh, um, no, by no stretch. So, I, I, and I, What about Arkansas? Do you consider Arkansas a very good offense? 
No, they've lost they three games blank, in a row. They did blank them. Yeah. I know they lost three games, but um, I mean, one of the games they lost, they scored fifty-one points. Sure, but like again, Stanford seems. I'm just asking. I don't I'm, know. I'm not, I guess they're probably the best offense they've faced. I, I just don't know if it would equal up to like. Uh, you don't like Vanderbilt's offense? I'm just kidding. Come on, no, no. I'm kidding. I I just and they're not going to see one. I mean, Florida maybe. Um, Florida does enough things that they can keep you on your toes, and they did that to Alabama. So what about um, Auburn? Let me throw that one at you because Auburn, um, in all their other games, now again cupcakes in the first couple with Akron and Alabama State, but 60, 62, 20 against Penn State, who has one of the better defenses in that country, 34, 24, 10 against Georgia, 38 against Arkansas at Arkansas last week. Yeah. I, I would was say that's probably the best. That was probably the best offense they've faced. Yeah, I would agree. I just don't know if like, I don't know, maybe there isn't one out there that is good enough to really test them. And maybe that's just the, the way that it is. Um, yeah. But I am curious to see them go to the swamp and play Florida who has, you know, they had Alabama on the ropes at one point. And so um, if there's one team left on their schedule, it's probably that one. And also, uh, you know, you talked about before we started this, the Tennessee game and how that's their homecoming game. I think Tennessee has a, a pretty decent offense that, yeah, and at Neyland Stadium, and if they're throwing stuff on the field, then who knows what could happen in that game? Just saying. I was trying to see if there was a line on this game yet, and I'm not seeing one. So maybe the odds makers are still uh, figuring out the Florida, the Florida game. The matchup predictor has 82 percent for Georgia. Man, and and when we do talk about these unranked teams and stuff playing at home. And obviously no one's going to be favored against Georgia. I don't think the rest of the season, I don't, I can't think of a team that would be favored against them. Um, and so they're not going to be favored, but I, when we, when we look at that, I don't even know if we'll preview this or if it'll be like a notable, um, but we'll have to make sure that we check out the line on that. When we go to do our week eight preview, but like I said, Georgia, still very good. Um, water, still wet. Sky, still blue. Um, and um, so, yeah, our guaranteed games, we both whiffed on again here. Um, or no, I'm sorry, not guarantee games. Um, our guarantee games is NFL, and we were, this week, we were definitely spot on on those. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you had Texas, um, and again, as we talked about, a couple, two weeks in a row collapses with double-digit, not even just double-digit, but two-plus touchdown leads. Um, and so, yeah, that stinks. And then Indiana, um, man, the Hoosiers have had a rough go of it because all every team they've lost to has been a tough team. I mean... Cincinnati, Iowa, Penn State, uh, Michigan State. I mean, we're talking about all ranked teams, all four of their losses. And uh, so this was a good game too. I, I had I had watched this one closely. 
Yeah. Um, I thought it was an incredible game, and I had actually taken down a couple of notes because this was, you know, your your upset special game. Um, mm-hmm. I you completely sold out to stop Kenneth Walker the third, and for the most part, they were successful in doing so. They really put a lot of this game on Peyton Thorne, and going into the half, Peyton Thorne was four for ten with thirty four yards, and uh, uh, Kenneth Walker had ten injuries for twenty two yards. So they had really kept them in check. Um, and it really came down to even like final minutes of the fourth quarter where there was like they were trading um, turnovers and and eventually MSU was just able to keep them at distance and they covered the spread on the road too, which I think that there's value in that and value in this because of uh, certain certain aspects of how they were able to change their game plan and how defense rises to the occasion to win tough like these are tough big 10 matchups like this was a a very physical football game this one was one where it would have been curious i i don't want to oversell um michael Penix jr because he has a inverted touchdown to interception ratio and has had trouble turning the ball over this year um but i do wonder if that would have made a little bit of a difference because he does add an extra level of playmaking ability that they did not seem to have at the quarterback position in this game, but it was fun to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I did like the nice trick play where they had the, what was it? The punter. Um, first they have him throwing. It was a nice little back shoulder throw really to, to the quarterback, wasn't it? And then, um, you know, the quarterback, everyone was talking about, oh, look at the quarterback out there doing a great job of playing wide receiver, and he did. It was a fantastic catch. In fact, I think it was initially ruled incomplete um, and reviewed, and and he definitely got – it. Wouldn't, I don't think it would have been an NFL catch, but he got a foot in, that's all you need, and a great catch. And again, from a quarterback, that that's not something they really work on. Um, but I thought it was actually a nice – a pretty nice throw. Now, it might have been a a, a nice – throw kind of with luck like he sort of just threw it over that way and it wasn't a great throw but it looked nice but it looked nice and the play looked nice and they rewarded him which i thought was nice they they rewarded him by giving him the touchdown to cap off that drive um because you don't see a lot of punters throwing for first downs occasionally you know trick plays and stuff um but you definitely don't see punters catching touchdowns very often so that was (laughs) um that was kind of a nice nice surprise so um yeah, a good hard-fought game. Um, I still just, I'm still wrestling with Michigan State on how good I think they are. But the one thing I thought about this week, and as I was putting my top ten together, is it is my judgment of teams being clouded by like the Georgia effect. In other words, is how dominant Georgia is. Like making these other undefeated teams um, closer margins of victory and things look less impressive, and I think for me it, it might be. Um, and yeah. and what I had to do, you know, what I what I try to do is when I'm evaluating teams, is I try to like if I'm evaluating a team that I cheer for. So if I'm if I'm evaluating Notre Dame or Iowa. I try to take off my Notre Dame or Iowa hat and just put on my normal spectator hat. If I'm evaluating other teams, sometimes what I try to do 
is the the opposite. I try to put on my fan hat and say like, okay, if this was my team though, would I be sticking up for them a little bit more and, and saying, hey, no matter who we're playing, it ain't always pretty, but it's always in in, in a W. Um, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Like you win all your games, you're going to have a pretty good end of the season, especially if you're in a power five conference. If you're in a power five conference and you go undefeated, I don't see how you're not winning the national championship. Hmm. Like I wouldn't I, say, I, just, I mean, I don't think Oklahoma's winning a national championship undefeated. Well, I'm saying like you go undefeated for the season. If they go undefeated, are you're, are you leaving them out of the playoff? No, you, your statement was if a Power 5 team goes undefeated, you don't see any way that they're not winning the national championship. Yes, I, I mean like for the entire season. Like what I mean is um, uh, a, a group of five school, an AAC school. If, so we'll pick on Cincinnati and we'll talk about them in a little bit. Or, or back it up a few years. UCF went undefeated and didn't make the playoff. Well, yeah, that's that's what I mean. I'm I'm saying like literally go undefeated. If you are a power five school and you win every single game by one point, you're you're going to be a national champion. That that's what I'm saying. Like I mean every game. If you're in a power five conference and you go undefeated, you're playing for your conference championship. If you remain undefeated and you win your conference championship, you're you're going to be in the playoff. If you're in the playoff and you win the semifinal. Then you play in the national championship, and if you win that, you you win. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not saying regular season undefeated. I'm saying entire season undefeated. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that like that's what I'm saying is <laughs> my point is it doesn't matter how ugly you win if you're in a Power Five conference and you win every game that's put in front of you from September to January, you're you're leaving with a national championship trophy. Um, so anyway, be that as it may, I've tried to take that into account a little bit more evaluating some of these teams. Um, some just do look, look better than others too. Um, you know, so there's always kind of that eyeball test and then you, then you get into the question of like undefeated versus one loss. And because I think there are teams that have losses that are better than undefeated teams um so i don't know we can maybe discuss that a little bit more when we get to the top 10 but let's move on which do you want to do first we'll do dealer's choice here because um i i don't care which way we go yeah, do you want to talk let's go in the, do you want to talk iowa or iowa or cincinnati oh you, we can talk about cincinnati right now I, oh I shoot you said old miss tennessee do you want to do that first yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's okay. do that one first because they're really the only thing that's notable in this game is, is you know, it, it was a great game. And I think mm-hmm. I kind of got you turned into it early on because this was really, really a good game. Um, and then it kind of looked like it got out of hand at one point and Ole Miss, Ole Miss was just kind of running away with things. And then in, in the second half, Tennessee brought it back. Um, but the elephant in the room was 100% uh, uh, the spectators in that game and, and specifically the Tennessee students, I think I, I wouldn't say it's fair to call out um, all Tennessee fans because it really does kind of like they were uh, more from the student section and things like that. And 
there was a questionable call, and I think you and I even kind of disagree on it a little bit, and, and it's still kind of up in the air. I mean, we've even seen the analyst um, split down the middle on this one, um, and there wasn't a good look at it anyway, so I guess you're you're falling under the category of indisputable evidence, which mm-hmm. I don't think there was really that to change the call, and, and they did, and, and that was a uh, basically a fourth down conversion that puts Tennessee in position to score at least the field goal and looking, you know, they're knocking on the door there. Uh, late Such a in big game. one too. Fourth and 24, yeah. you know, where you, as a fan, you're, you're just hoping for a miracle, right? Like it's not, there's not that many plays in the playbook of we have to get 24 yards yeah. or the game is effectively maybe not over. In fact, it wasn't over because we saw them get the ball back one more time, but yeah, there's not a lot of uh, fourth and 24 plays in your playbook um and a and a tremendous effort too um to get there to the first down i think what made it tricky was normally when you see a player stretch a handout it's with the ball in it mm-hmm. and what was really odd on this is you see him and maybe he wasn't trying to stretch his hand maybe it was just kind of how he fell yeah. um and he was trying to like reach out to brace himself i don't know but his his right hand was like for sure past the first down marker, but he didn't have the ball in it. It was in his left hand tucked down near his hip. See, I, you, you I think like it was the, near his hip. I felt like it was more towards like his no, chest. No, they, no, they showed the replay. Yeah, they showed the, they finally got an angle on the other side and he's, he's holding it down like right around his waistline. Um, and, and that's why my ultimate conclusion was he was short, but I don't think he was as short as spotted. So like I thought it was a bad spot because they had him what like a full yard short. Well, the the and spot really doesn't matter. It was really whether or not he got it. But I think like they didn't really even. I think they may have measured it, but you didn't. Even, you could eyeball and tell that it, it was going to be short that way. And I yeah. think that's what got the fans so riled up is the spot being that short. Because if you think about it, like if the officials come out. And they put that real close because I think he's within probably a couple inches. Again, I personally, I think he was short, but, and I don't, I have no dog in this fight whatsoever. Couldn't care less. So I'm just watching it because it was super entertaining in the final few minutes. But to me, I thought my first reaction was, oh my goodness, he got it. Like that was my real time reaction was he got it. And that's because I saw his right arm extended forward. Then I realized, oh, he doesn't have the ball in that hand. And like, then it looked, my second thought was, oh, he was down way short because it looked like his knee was down early. But then on the slow-mo replay, you realize that he sort of launches forward and his knee doesn't actually hit for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then when it did, then it's a matter of, okay, the only angle we have is of his back. And so you can't see quite where the ball is. So to your point, I think there was no way to really tell where the ball was in relation. Um, you have to sort of piece together the different angles. But I think if you come out there and you spot it close, fans probably don't lose it maybe as much because it's like, oh, we just missed it, you know, on this dive near here. When you come out and say that he's like not even close and you don't want to review it, you don't want to measure it, I think that I could be wrong. But I think that maybe set the fans off a little bit more. 
Um, maybe I don't know. I and feel then, like you know if you're at home, you're showing that on the replay over and over on the on your big screen too. Like you're letting yeah. everyone see him dive, and you're seeing his lead shoulder and arm past the first down marker. And so you're you know you're getting fired up over that. But what what transpired after? I, man, that was really really embarrassing. And um, yeah, that was just it was. It ended up being about twenty minutes. Yeah, a whole quarter, stoppage. over a quarter of stoppage. I mean, unbelievable. They had to get the cheerleaders off. And here's what's really stupid. There was a lot, everything about it was stupid. But like, if you're a Tennessee fan, all you've now done is take any extra edge that you could have in terms of momentum or extra noise to create in the stadium, and you've removed it. Because they cleared the student section, they cleared the cheerleaders, they cleared the band. Um, In fact, when they forced that punt on the ensuing possession for Ole Miss, they had to pump in Rocky Top through the speakers because the band wasn't even in the stadium. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not in the stadium, but out on the field. Right. Yeah. And, And so it's like you did nothing but do a disservice to your own team, your own fans. Um, and and that stadium was like incredible the whole yeah. game like up until that moment like that stadium was rocking and they had you know checkered out the entire stadium it was an incredible visual experience to watch this game and and you could hear you could just hear the level of the crowd noise and then as you mentioned you take them out of the game in a game that they were actually still in like there was still plenty yes. of time and then they got a huge stop it got the ball back like mhm yeah, and you you zap the and here's the other thing. Now, what was the what did the final end up being on that game? Do you remember? Um, I don't actually. I think Once, it was big enough where they had to. It was going to be a walk off touchdown or a loss. Like I, I don't yes, think it was. They a, had to score it. Have been. Uh, yeah, it was I guess thirty one twenty six. Okay, so yeah, so you couldn't have tied because I said because my other thought was like, man, what if you end up going to overtime, and then you don't have your fans there? But I guess that that would have been a moot point, but. Um, yeah, my only other two things I'll say other than how disgraceful that was three, three, no, two things. Number one, this is the second week in a row. We have seen what appears to be injuries for the purpose of slowing down the other team, Mm -hmm. which if that is happening is from the team standpoint, pretty pathetic. And it's being coached. Yeah. And it's carrying over because here's, here's what happened. Like to, to borrow from the NFL, I was watching the Bronco game today, which we'll talk about in our NFL recap, but I was watching the Bronco game. Terrible announcers, by the way, just, Oh my goodness. Terrible. But one of them was a former NFL wide receiver and he's from the booth telling this guy, from the Raiders who got hurt and the Broncos were finally moving the ball a little bit, which was a rare occasion today. And he's telling this defensive player from the booth, he's like, man, don't, don't pop up and try to get over to the sideline just lay there. Like let your defense catch their breath. Like let the trainers come out and look at you. Like you don't need to get up and try to like hobble over to the sideline. And yeah. it's just like, that's literally coming from a former player. But it happened in the Penn State Iowa game, and there was kind of some words exchanged 
from both coaches on on that whole situation. And then you saw it happening in this game. I do think I saw it happen in a couple other games. I don't feel like I've really... I mean, it's something we've all seen happen before, and that's how you identify it, is like, this is odd. Like, there seems to be a lot of players getting hurt, and then well, even mysteriously the getting... Can, like, you see them telling the player to go down from the sideline, or there's a player next to them, like, telling them to go down. Like, sometimes yeah. it's blatantly obvious, like in the Auburn or uh, Arkansas uh, Ole Miss game last week, when I, I literally had texted them, like, they're literally telling them to go down, like, visually on the screen. I can see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And it's just like, man, you know, the the like ethics of the game. And I don't know if they're going to have to look at a rule change because the hard part about it is how do you identify a fake injury? I mean, like, yeah, there are times, but all they're going to do is learn to sell it better. Yeah. But I, you know, my my first thought, and this is the, I haven't given a ton of thought to it. My only thing is like, man, maybe if you go down with an injury. What if you had, like, in the fourth quarter, or I don't know, maybe maybe it gets worse in the fourth quarter. You don't want to, like, punish a team where if a guy does, like, legitimately, like, roll an ankle or something, you know, because it's football, that if he, if he feels good enough to come back in and a play. But imagine if, like, you either had to burn a timeout or, um, like, you couldn't come back in for the rest of that possession or or for or until they got a first down or something like that would really maybe change the dynamic of it like if you know I'm going to try to go down but then I'm not going to be able to come back in this while they still have the ball or until they move the chains and reset things I can't come back in the game maybe that discourages that a little bit you know I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, well, I literally had told you that they snuck that injury in to a loophole, basically because it was a the oh, the man, they had that moved one the chains. Yeah, yeah, they moved the chains so the clock stops, so there isn't really a, there's no runoff. They don't have to use their timeout because it literally happened on a dead ball. Like the ball was dead, the clock is stopped, and so they literally looped <laughs> looped an injury in in the loophole. Like that frustrated me too because. Yes, the clock is stopped, but it's only temporarily stopped there be- because of the first down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just everything about it, everything about it was irritating, and um, because the runoff would have been detrimental. I yeah. mean, absolutely detrimental. Because there was only what seventeen, eighteen seconds left, or something. something like that. It was. There yeah, was, was not much there. time left, and zapping that. Then I had no timeouts. Because on the very next play, um they picked up like 15 yards in a first down and that's probably not an option if there's only eight seconds left. Right. In fact, if it was Joe Milton, he would have just run out of bounds, but any, uh, that's dirty. Uh, That's mean. But seriously, what was that? Like, how do you run out of bounds? Yeah. Uh, Well, how do you like, okay, they were at what? Like roughly the 25 ish somewhere around there. So if you're, if you're Joe Milton, what are the odds that you're going to run for a 25-yard touchdown? And like the odds of that are pretty slim. And so it's like, dude, this is the reason that you didn't last at Michigan and it's the reason you lost the starting job at Tennessee because like this is something you have to know as a quarterback going in. 
is number one, I definitely can't run out of bounds. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. There's three seconds when you snap the ball. Like, what? What on earth would cause you to run out of bounds? You, but you have to know. Like, I can't cross the line of scrimmage. Like. Yeah. I can't cross the line of scrimmage. If I get away from a play, I have to double back and try to set myself to throw the ball to the end zone. Like, because you're not, I mean, I guess your chances of running for a touchdown are better than your chances of scoring when you run out of bounds. But I, and I, the sideline is an extra defender. So as you're running toward the sideline, I mean, just nothing about it made sense. Well, the and only thing that really as soon as you cross the line of scrimmage, that then becomes another, another yeah. defender, and so I, it just, oh man. Well, what it came down to was uh, Milton hadn't played in the game, and he hasn't even really played a lot this season, and I think that there's kind of been some disappointment. There. I think it's just inexperience in the situation. I don't think he, I don't think he really realized that that like you didn't have time. Like I don't know if he didn't realize it or he just forgot or whatever. But I think the inexperience. You know, from, from not playing in the game, and for whatever reason, like they felt like he gave them the best chance to. I don't know. It felt like maybe he's in there for a designed run, but like you mentioned, they were actually at the twenty-one yard line. So, well, like, he was in because the quarterback was injured. I forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah. Even their still, quarterback like, went went down, and he came in. He made a great first throw. His second throw was just a little bit high. It really wasn't a bad throw. A little bit high out of the back of the end zone, yeah. and it's like. All right, dude, like this is it. It's doesn't matter really the down. It's there's three seconds left. And if you're the coach, you gotta be like, hey man, like no matter what, you can't take a sack. And like you gotta give yourself a chance to throw the ball to the end zone, which shouldn't be that hard. I mean, from a distance standpoint, but whether it's a jump ball, whether it's whatever, like you gotta give us a chance. And and he didn't, and uh, and that ended. I kind of wanted them to lose after that whole debacle part of me was like man it'd be great if they lost because they deserve it because their fans acted like morons but then part of me was like oh it'd be kind of funny if they came back and won after all those fans got booted out um but you can't punish the team like no i know i know that's why i said like it it would almost in some ways maybe have been better if they won because then the stupid fans yeah. And and probably not all of them that were doing it because there was still stuff raining down after they started playing, just not as much. A lot of stuff from the upper level. But my last my last thought on this game: Who brings a golf ball to a football game <laughs> or a bottle like, of mustard? Yeah, like who brings a golf ball to a football game, thinking, you know what, I might need this to chuck at the opponent's coach if things get a little out of hand with a minute to go. Like, who has that thought process? Why in the world? Would you bring a golf ball? And here's here's an, just another reason that that's irritating. Because, I mean, you've been to a college football game as recently as I have. You already have to go through security. You got to go through the check. Like, this is the kind of stuff that it's why you have to carry clear bags into the stadiums and a lot of places now. Like, oh. it's because of people doing stupid things. Like, bringing golf balls and throwing. And, and here's the, like... I mean, it ended up, uh, you and I kind of debated. I, I thought the announcer said, and I thought it kind of looked like it hit him, like not hard, but kind of grazed him in the elbow while he's talking to the ref. Regardless, like if that smokes him in the face or the back of the head, and that's coming from like the upper deck of a stadium, yeah. I mean, like you could do some legitimate 
damage to someone. Like if that hits them in the eye, like you you could break a nose or a like a jaw or a tooth or I, like there's just so many even a hand like a finger or something like there's just so many stupid things that come along. Like I just don't understand the thought process and the mustard bottle like. Do they not serve mustard at Neyland <laughs> Stadium? Like, do they only have relish and ketchup, or do they just not do a good job of of stocking it themselves? So you have to bring your own. And it, because it wasn't even like those little packets, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was a full bottle. I mean, I don't know that the bottle was full, but I mean, it was an entire bottle, like you buy off the grocery store shelf of French's mustard. Like <laughs> I get the beer cans, I get the, you know, I get the bottled water, all of that kind of stuff. The sodas, those are all normal things you find at a game. I just, I couldn't believe when there was a, a bottle of mustard down on the field. And I couldn't believe that someone thought two different people that night or that afternoon thought, you know what, honey, you know what, bud? Let's make sure that we bring our golf ball and let's make sure that we bring our French's mustard because, dude, I can't be getting in line for a hot dog and then go over to the little pump station and they're out. I, I, that'll just ruin the game for me. So I got to make sure I bring my entire jar or bottle of French's. I just, oh my goodness. Tennessee, man. That was a really bizarre situation. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird end to and it just, like I said, it it put such a black mark on what was otherwise a really good game. Yeah. Exciting game. Like, ugh. why do people have to be dumb? Like, why do you have to do stupid things? Like, that's that's how you get stupid rules and all, like, I, I heard someone say once, like, the reason that rules exist is because somebody did something stupid. Like, <laughs> I, I, I worked... Uh, as a camp counselor up in northern Wisconsin in 2006. And one of the rules, and it was also one of the rules, that it was we worked on a college campus, and one of the rules at the campus and at the camp was that you were not allowed to bring bear cubs into the dorms. Oh, wow. And it's like, there's, like, no <laughs> one sits down when they're writing a rule book and says, you know what? we should probably make sure we have in there as a rule that they shouldn't go out and grab wildlife and potentially endanger themselves, others, and the wildlife. Let's make sure, you know what, there's some bears in, around. Let's make sure that we have a rule that says you can't bring a bear the dormitory. No, like that was not a day one rule. Like that was a day after someone brought a bear into the dormitory rule. And so it's like, now you're going to have stupid things like being checked to make sure you don't have golf balls on you at the stadium, you know, or, or objects that can be thrown from upper decks of stadiums, just stupid, stupid, stupid. And it's, again, it's always a handful of people that ruin things for a larger group. And so I'm, I'm glad that they didn't feel the need to, send everyone out of the stadium because that really would have been a disservice to the Tennessee team to not be able to get the crowd noise and all of that. And it would have sucked the life out of it. I think Ole Miss probably would have converted a, a first down and ended it. And so it definitely made it more exciting um, that everyone was allowed to stay. Um, I think the grounds crew and security and all that just didn't know what to do. Um, and th because again, 
you don't prepare for those kind of things. Like, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not ready for more rules at football games because it already takes like 20 minutes to get into Notre Dame stadium right now. And that's with mobile tickets. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need anything else, man. It just, what, uh, we need to move on. Let's move on. All right. What, what do you want next? Cincinnati or Iowa? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with Cincinnati next. Um, okay. Cause we had a, obviously for the listeners, we have a lot of, discussions over text and and things like that that end up making it over here sometimes not um which is kind of the whole premise of this podcast as we explained earlier on but uh this this particular one we've we've had different opinions on the uh, cincinnati bearcats so i I would like to hear your opinion on it first because i I feel like mine's probably more of a rebuttal um than opening argument okay so my my thing with Cincinnati is I'm not buying them as one of as a playoff team even if they go undefeated. Um now provided little asterisk there. So let, let me be fair here. Um de- depending on the other teams that are kind of part of that conversation. The job of the college football playoff is to get us the best four teams in college football and to rank them in such a way that we get the best two teams playing for the national championship. And I think that as much as people have clamored about expanding the playoff and having, you know, a bye and having six teams, eight teams, I've heard 12 teams, you know, it can get ridiculous. We've already seen the NCAA tournament go from 64 to 68. Um, you know, with a thousand automatic qualifiers. So I think you need to be careful with that. But the job of the playoff and the playoff committee is to give us the best four teams in college football. And again, there's been te- there's been times people felt like Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame has enough like anti Notre Dame sentiment that there's always people that don't think they belong. I mean. When they went undefeated uh, the first time they made the playoff um, and then got just blown up by by Clemson, people were like, yep, they didn't deserve to be in. Yeah, of course they did. Like, they played a very difficult schedule and they won all the games. So there's there's that. But the the job of the committee is to get the best four teams in. And so for me, I feel like if you want to get in as a group of five school you have to have some, uh, like a pretty, sorry, a, a pretty good resume. Like you have to have some pretty good wins. And I think that early season rankings can do a detriment to giving us an idea of who is the best. Because I, I think you have to judge your wins by how good those teams look over a period of time, not just they happen to be ranked when you beat them. Because there's a lot of teams like Indiana, for example, that Iowa has beat them, Penn State has beat them, Cincinnati's beat them, Michigan State's beat them. They're two and four. So, I mean, is that really a statement win to beat a team that's two and four? 
whose only wins are to Idaho and Western Kentucky. Like to me, that's not a great win. Um, if you look at, um, and, and that's kind of my, that's, it's the same issue with coastal Carolina. If coastal Carolina goes undefeated this season, are you putting them in the playoff? No. Why not? They, do they have a win over a ranked opponent? Uh, they, I don't know if they do yet. They would. Well, again, they're, I think it's like their last game of the season. Or am I thinking of Cincinnati? Somebody plays SMU at the end of the year. That's, that's Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati. Let me look up Coastal because I apologize to our listeners. I haven't uh, scoped out their their schedule here a whole lot. Um, no, they don't have a win against a ranked opponent. They won't. Trying to see if who they would even have. Okay. How many does Cincinnati have? One. One? Uh, so that one win over a ranked opponent makes them a playoff team over Coastal? Well, I think there is more to than that. So obviously part of this, um, part of – I disagree with you for one thing on what the committee's job is. I don't think it's their job to put the best two teams in the national championship because I don't think the best two teams should always be in the national championship. I think there are going to be teams that play probably over what their capability would be normally um, because all you got to do is go out and win one game essentially like, and the playoff right now is is a one win and you're in. Like you win one playoff game and you're in the national championship game. It's not really a playoff. It's just like an extra step. Like it's almost a play in. But, but the the goal though, the goal of the of the playoff is to give us the best two teams, right? I, I disagree. I think it's to give. I think if you win your playoff game, by definition, you are one of the best two teams in the country. But. Like, do you like? Are you trying to tell me that, for instance, let's say Notre Dame would have beat Alabama? Like, do you really think they're better than Alabama, or did they were they better than them on one day? I I mean, if they if they beat them on that stage to go to the national championship with that offense, I mean, I would think you would have to say that they were a better team, and that Clemson maybe caught Notre Dame on an off day. <laughs> But that's again, a secular like, argument. That's like, you're getting into the world. Of, you're getting into the world of hypotheticals. It's not but though, what, because what like the, what you, did the what did the committee do though? They they said Notre Dame is the fourth best team, and there was a lot of debate over who the fourth should it be them, should it be A and M, should it be North Carolina, right. um, you know. And I think they made the right choice. Uh, I think Notre Dame deserved to be in there. They had a win over the number one team in the country, and even their loss to Clemson in the ACC title game. Like things sort of unraveled over about a four minute period in the second quarter. And then it was fairly even the remainder of the game. They were never able to make up ground, but that was a really good Clemson team. And that was a, I mean, an historically great Alabama team. And so, you know, you look at the, the team that, the teams that have played for national champions. And I think more often than not, the committee is getting those four teams right. And I think that more often than not, 
we're seeing the best two teams. Again, their job is to seed them in such a way that it provides the top two ranked teams the best path to get there. Doesn't mean that they will. And again, if you know, if you're talking a two three, that probably is a fairly close. But um, it hasn't been. I mean, it really hasn't been. I'd have to look at and all. Then I mean, your, I know that your national Ohio championship State games haven't been off of exactly. And so your even your national championship games haven't been relatively close either. The last couple, but it, it, you're you're, I I think that has more to do with teams being historically great teams. Like that Alabama team was an historically great football team. That LSU offense with Joe Burrow and all those guys they put in the NFL, like that was an historically great. I mean, look how bad they've been since. I mean, and and we haven't brought it up on this, but you know they said to coach O today like hey this this is it after the end of the season we're we're moving in a new direction two seasons removed from a yeah. national championship well that's because and, they're sinking or you see it's sink or swim in the sec like there's no room for one loss like there just isn't that's fine I'm, but my, that's that's my point though is like yes that was lopsided because you're talking about the last couple national champions being just incredibly talented like that gap and there's a potential we could see that again this year because it looks like the gap between Georgia and the next closest team is substantial. But if you go back before that, you had like the uh, Alabama Clemson games, like those were tremendous games with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts and Tua. The, and the reason I, like, why I disagree that it's committee's job to put the best two teams in the national championship no, I said to put the best four teams in the playoffs in hopes to get the best two. And I mean, yeah, but okay, it's Ohio that's State what right now it's designed for Ohio, Ohio State right now with one loss is probably. I mean, like there is still a path for them to get in, but there's also a potential path that they don't. They could. I mean, they could lose another game. Losing does losing a game mean that you're not better? Like, do you think that Ohio State with three losses is better than Cincinnati? Probably not. Really? Ohio State with three losses? With three losses, their loss would be to Oregon. Let's go with two because I think probably two is more likely. So Oregon and Michigan. If they lose, yeah, I think if they lose to Michigan, I would, I would, I would say there has to be, there has to be some level of margin for error though. Right? Like you, no, there's no margin for error. If you lose a game, you lose a game. That's why you like. That's why losing well, a game is so detrimental. Team, there, we've right. never had a two-loss team in the playoff. Ever. Right, but my question is: Do you think that Ohio State with two losses is a better football team than an undefeated Cincinnati? And I'm saying I don't know. I would be interested to like. I'd be interested to watch that game, the Battle of Ohio. I'm asking about playing it. I'm asking: Do you think? That Ohio State is a better football team than Cincinnati. Not with two losses, no. Why? Just because they lost another game? That doesn't mean no, that they the lost skill two level, more games. But just because that, like you, you know, if you th- what I'm asking, what I'm trying to get to you is that do you think that Ohio State is more skilled? More skilled and better are not always the same thing. Then that's why it's not their job to put the best four teams because sometimes no, because teams that are is, not as skilled are going to play better. Also, 
part of it is going to I didn't up say to, to put the, the top four skilled teams in the playoffs. I said to put the best four teams. And then, then I, I just said 10 seconds ago, best and most skilled are not the same okay, thing. Okay, but that's the point. LSU, that's why Cincinnati is an incredibly team skilled in team. Texas is a very incredibly skilled team, but that doesn't make them the best team just because they're skilled. Sometimes there are teams that are less skilled that are better. Maybe they play better as a unit. Maybe they're better coached. Maybe they make bigger plays. Whatever it is, Iowa is a less skilled team, but I think they are better than some other more skilled teams in spite of the the embarrassing loss that they suffered at home. I still think they're better than some other teams that are probably more skilled than them. I don't equate skill with success or skill with best. Like Again, this is where I think early season rankings are detrimental. Because how do you really know? I, you know, Clemson came in ranked what third in the country, and yeah. they're nowhere to be found. Um, but Texas the pro- the keeps problem popping with- into the top 25 and falling out. Like, why? Because we just don't have a very large sample size. Like, now is about the time going into week seven or eight. I mean, there's a reason that the college football playoff rankings and the BCS rankings back in the day didn't come out until eight weeks in because it allowed you to see a reasonable sample size of both conference and non-conference games. But without early season rankings, then how... So let's say you don't do any rankings until week 10, right? Or week 8, whatever, week 8, 9, whatever it is now for the playoff. And you say you forget about preseason rankings or regular season rankings. We're only going to put out playoff rankings, and that'll be at week 9 or 8. You've got at a point you could have right now there's 11 undefeated football teams. Mm-hmm. So how do you go into putting together 10 or, or what, if you want to just say playoff ranks, like we're only going to rank four teams or are you wanting to rank 10? Like what's where you wanting to, to do that? Because, and then how are you going to say that 11 undefeated teams are not going to be your first 11 teams in the country? Because there has to be some, sorry, I'm having some mic issues there. There has to be some level of, of resume has to be important, right? So let's, let's look for a minute here at the week one top 25 rankings because, and, and let's see how many of these teams are even still in the top 25. So Alabama, number one, they're still there. Oklahoma, number two, Clemson, they're out of the top 25. Um, number six, Texas A&M is out of the top 25. Number seven, Iowa State is out of the top 25. Number 10, North Carolina is out of the top 25. Number 12, Wisconsin is out of the top 25. Number 13, Florida. Number 14, Miami. Number 15, USC. Number 16, LSU. Number 17, Indiana. Number 20, Washington. Number 21, Texas. Number 23, um, Louisiana. Number 24, Utah. So, of the initial top 25 rankings, 14 of those teams, only 11 of those teams are, are still in the top 25. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're not even close. And Clemson has fallen from third all the way out. Texas A&M from sixth. Iowa State, seventh. North Carolina, tenth. Wisconsin, twelfth. Like, you're in the top half of the top 25 here. So, 
by virtue of where those teams are, like if you're a traditional powerhouse team, you're getting the benefit of the doubt and you're getting like a running start on other teams. So to me, I would like to see some teams play some other teams before we rank them. Okay, but the thing is, is you're still going to do the same thing, right? No, okay, you're not so doing the same thing. You are. Thing you're going to do the I, same thing because here, listen to this you resume. You have to do okay? it based on the body of work. Oklahoma is the number three team in the country currently. Do you think that they're better than Cincinnati? Yes. Oklahoma has one win over a ranked opponent, and that opponent is no longer ranked in the top 25. Okay. Why do you think they're better than Cincinnati? Because their entire body of work is better. How? 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 Be- because they play tougher teams than AAC teams. Is West Virginia tougher? Do you think schedule. that West Virginia... Come on now. Like, this is why there's the problem. Then you're telling me that it's never going to be different. Like, you're telling me right now that it doesn't matter if you come out with preseason rankings and regular season rankings. You're still going to tell me that Oklahoma with literally one win over a ranked opponent that's no longer ranked has a better resume based on what they haven't blown out any of their points. The ones that they did are worse than AAC teams. So let me ask you this is Cincinnati the second best team in America right now. I think they are. That is ridiculous. I think they are the second best team in the country. And I'll tell you what possible standard do you see them as the second best team in the country? Sure. Because they beat your precious fighting Irish at home. That is like, a great, because that's, first of all, that's one a great ranked, That's their one ranked win. Sure, is, it's a great a, win. And I'll tell you a, why. It's, it's not a great win. win. It's it a is good a definite, win. It's a great win because it's a road win. We spent hours talking about Notre Dame being in turmoil. So they came in matter. and they beat a team in turmoil with okay. a, 40% Number, of the stadium in red. 40%. Like, come a, on now. Now you're just being ridiculous. 30% of the stadium in red. A chunk and a half of the stadium in red it's been that commented over and over by us by yes, everyone else like that doesn't they matter come in there it doesn't matter prohibitive Clint, it doesn't like, matter because cincinnati won the game matter. notre dame has the Th- sixth this is why i said it matters where country. those teams end up it matters where those teams end up notre dame has the sixth ranked defense in the country and i think if they had an a, a for sure starting quarterback how? what do you mean they lead the they, they have like, 14 no, like scoring or because in turnovers in 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 just like they're i think they it have can't be it's not total defense probably not but i'm i'm sure it's well i mean that's what i'm saying you got to quantify that statement because they're not the sixth best total defensive team in the country i'd have to find the stat for sure but i believe it's forced turnovers which again like they're probably a top 15 defense in the country total I don't know. I've seen them be gouged by some pretty bad teams. Who do you consider a bad team? Because I think that all the teams that they've beat. Toledo, sure. Okay. Is Cincinnati better than Toledo? I hope so. Okay. I mean, Cincinnati would be another one that gouged them. Virginia Tech gouged them. Mm -hmm. Like, do we need to go through all of their games? I mean, Wisconsin didn't, but. Cincinnati covered the spread on the road. Against a top 10 football team. And I think that they will be in the the top 10 at the end of the season as well. Maybe. They are still currently ranked in the top 15. Yes. 
So uh, since I, then, I'm not taking away since the, the then, Notre Dame win. I'm saying they have that's a the only one. Two to three win over Temple. 52 to 3. I don't care that it's Temple. They allowed three points and scored 52. Obviously, you don't care that it's Temple. No. You don't care about any of their wuss schedule that they play. What do you mean? They have equally as better of a resume than Oklahoma, who has literally Miami one of Ohio, win. Murray State, Temple, mm-hmm. Central yes. Florida, I, I can look Navy, I see it just Tulane, fine. Tulsa, Tell me the scores South of those. Florida, Are they even close? East Carolina. Are any like, of them even close? None of them have even been close. They've covered all of their spreads because and done terrible. everything they need to do. It doesn't matter. This was a Cincinnati team that was coming into the season ranked eighth in the country. Why? Because they were a 10 team last year. They've had no fall off. Their starting quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is 35 and 5 as a starting quarterback, which makes him the winningest active QB FBS. Let me ask you a question. Did you think that Central Florida deserved to be in the college football playoff the year that they were left out and they kind of did the whole declaring themselves national championships, the whole parade? You remember all that fun stuff? Yeah, I remember the season. I just don't remember who they were. Did they deserve? I mean, at the time, did you think, man, they're really getting ripped off by not being in? I don't, if I remember correctly, they weren't even close top four. I don't even. I think they were barely in the top ten, which I think was probably pretty disrespectful. Yes. Yeah, they ended the season ranked sixth, thirteen and zero, ranked yeah. sixth. They beat Auburn mm-hmm. like handily. So, were you beating the drum for them to get into the college football playoff? That's my question. If they would have completed, you're beating the, season, the drum undefeated. for Cincinnati to not only get in, but you just told me you really honestly believe they're the second best team in the country. So you're telling me that if if this Saturday was Cincinnati, Alabama, you'd lay money on Cincinnati. I think they're better than that you are ridiculous. giving them credit for. I think I, that they are deserving of the number two team in the country, and I think that they are. They have performed better they're, than Oklahoma in all of their matchups. They, they are deserving for better the same defense that, than Oklahoma. Do they have a better defense than Oklahoma, Clint? They are deserving for the same Come reason on. that Iowa was deserving, which is by virtue of the teams ahead of them losing, they can't help but move up. I, I agree with based that. On I think where, it's based, based on, on performance. Iowa can only move up, and as teams ahead of them fall off, they can only move up. And so... They're, well, like they're not gonna, they're not really gonna move down. Okay, so I if they're not gonna to move, see, then are they gonna make the playoffs? Well, could see an Oklahoma Cincinnati semifinal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we definitely could. And then mm-hmm. when Oklahoma beats them, then you can tell me, you know what, Clint, you were right. They weren't the number two team in the country. That was a load of garbage, and I knew it, and I just didn't want to admit it. I think that you are underselling the fact that because they play in the AAC conference, you still have to go out and play the game. And they have well overperformed and played outstanding in all of their games, including against the Irish, where you even mentioned it was a field goal away from being a 20-point game, and they like, they handled their business on the road. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not even about me trying because to bend a loss. I would argue that Notre Dame wasn't as good as hyped. And because you have to agree that that's true. Come on. No, I don't agree that that's true. I think they've Stop played it, incredible dude. defense, and they've grown into a new defensive scheme. Do they have issues at the quarterback position? Yes, and I think that's the only issue. 100% I think that's the only issue. 
I think if you had oh, already they figured additional... out a starting quarterback position, they would easily they if they had if they had a starting quarterback in the game against Cincinnati, Notre Dame would be the number two team in the country right now. Where's your boy Jack Cohn? So now you have a team at Notre Dame that their loss to Cincinnati is the number two team in the country, and then they've got a win over a team that just beat the number two in the country. So you've got a fair resume for them to be knocking on the door in the top 10. And they moved up a spot this week as a, as an idol. Um, so clearly there's will, value there in the, in, we in will win see, over Purdue. Yeah. They're an idol IDOL for you because you are overvaluing what the fighting Irish have There is a hundred percent. They were, that a is very not, not even true. And you can't narrow even tell me margin from losing, from losing to Virginia tech. Yes. Why? Because, because they, they don't have a quarterback. Because they don't know which quarterback to put in. They haven't That's committed so to one. weird that they don't have a quarterback because I was told that Jack Cohn was like the bee's knees over there. Again, he hasn't turned the ball over. And I think that there are really? other parts of the I, offense. I seem to remember an opening drive against these same Cincinnati Bearcats who ironically so you have changed your tune on Cincinnati too because you said and you can go back and listen to it you said Notre Dame beat themselves in that game and I said you have to actually give credit to Cincinnati's defense you're like oh I do but I mean I Jack Cohn like that was kind of a stupid interception and then we fumbled this and, and that and I've like, held my ground so, on that and I carried that same thing over into the Iowa Penn State game where literally I give the same criticism of Sean Clifford in that game in the first game or in the first drive when he threw that interception and I, uh, Iowa got three points off it. It's the same as Jack Cohn throwing that ball. 100% the game, the same. And yes, Notre Dame did beat themselves. Why? Because they didn't have a quarterback and they turned the ball over and they did dumb things that were, and yet the game was still at hand in the second half. There was still opportunity for them to win the game. Why? Because I think you are, they are definitely better than you're giving them credit for. This is a very dynamic Cincinnati offense and they do have a good defense, 100%. And they go out there and they literally whoop on these teams. It doesn't matter who they're playing. You've got to get the job done. You get, they literally had a 28-point spread, and they went out there and, and laughed at that. You tell me any other team in the country that's literally Georgia. Like Again, they sure, they played a better opponent, but you're telling me that the odds makers think that Georgia was 21 points better than Kentucky, and they didn't. Sure, there's a garbage touchdown. It doesn't matter. Like You're going out there, and you're doing literally everything. How did we get if way they, off into this? Because, because we've talked about two different things and you, you've ignored them because they, they beat the tar out of your point. Like number one, no, I didn't, I didn't ignore him. Doesn't have a quarterback in they one don't. sentence and that Jack Cohn doesn't turn the ball over in another. If you have a guy who doesn't turn the ball over, you have a quarterback. No, and because they don't have the offensive line he that gives him the, the ability to play his game. He turned it over he on the first drive players that could in have the been a tone-setting drive so in that Cincinnati top-10 game, no and he possible turned the Jack don't play his game with the way that our offensive line is. So because he can't play his game the way that he wants to play it, that's why I think that he can't you be the guy for the job. You also have flip on Cincinnati because no, when I we haven't. recapped that they game, did beat you themselves. That said Notre matter, Dame though. beat themselves. Now you're talking about how great Cincinnati's defense was because they beat up on Notre Dame and Notre Dame, blah, 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 the same Notre Dame team that doesn't have a quarterback. So they don't have a quarterback, <laughs> but Cincinnati's defense listen, was really good listen. to stop a team without a quarterback. I know that you're mad. 
I'm not mad. I'm Iowa asking a legitimate lost. question, and you're not answering the question. So I know that you're mad that Iowa lost, good. and that you've had Cincinnati's to face this defense now is in reality. Because, because they beat a Cincinnati's team with no better than Iowa. Cincinnati's better than Iowa, and Cincinnati's going to be top four at the end of the at the end of the season because they're Cincinnati not going to lose. Probably is better than game. Iowa. Yeah, I know they are. I, I'm not. I'm not arguing are. that point at all. You're the one like Iowa lives rent free in your head. You like to bring them into this. They were never part. They don't of this have to live in my head. Free We're going to talk about what, Iowa in a minute. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about Cincinnati, and yes. you have said, period. You have said that Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback. And you said that Cincinnati was this great defense. And you said that Notre Dame beat themselves with those turnovers. So it's got to be one of those things. Like No, because all of those things can factor into a game. That's your problem is you think that it's only got to be one way and it doesn't have to be one way. Was there issue at the quarter position? Yes. Did Cincinnati go out and play great defense and blank them in the first half? Yes. Did Notre Dame do dumb things that created bad turnovers and put themselves in bad position to play that game? Yes. So 100% all of those things happened. Call a team a good court. Okay, timeout, 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 timeout. Now it's my turn to rope Iowa in because you said last week when the backup quarterback for Penn State came in that it devalued what Iowa did defensively the rest of the game. So when Iowa stops a a team's backup quarterback and Penn State doesn't have a quarterback, you said it was not even that good of a win for them. But all three of Cincinnati, hold on, let me finish my sentence because you know where I'm going. When Cincinnati comes in and we play three different quarterbacks in that game, it's either one or the other. Either no. we don't have a quarterback and thus a, a person to run our offense, or they are very good defensively. It's no, not. I, I don't both. think that it, again, I don't think it's that we don't have a quarterback. It's they won't play the one that is. You have the said we don't have a quarterback. You've yeah. said it in this podcast in the last two minutes. Okay, but what I mean by that is we don't have one that they will play consistently. They want to play three or they want to play two, and that's the problem. They won't start the right one because we've seen how inept the if offense one is. One would come out when and, and establish himself. They one has. Like, it's got to be one or the other. It has <laughs> to be has. one or the other, dude. It's got to be one or the other. And the difference you, is, you is that all three get, quarterbacks at so, Notre Dame are way better than Roberson year, for Penn State, and it's not even close. And you can argue that all year, you want, the, but the it is what it is. Took a practice squad wide receiver and put him at quarterback, but I should probably be really impressed with how good New Orleans' defense was that game in shutting down the Broncos' it's not lethal the pass like, attack from you're their begging for that argument, and wide it's receiver. not the same. That's, you, you have said in this podcast, you can go back and listen to it if you want, but you have given credit to Cincinnati's defense for being so good and coming in and shutting down Notre Dame. But then, because you it, it, you can't just say they've done that, so you got to give Notre Dame a reason why they've done that. And so it's like, well, they haven't looked very good against Virginia Tech, and they didn't look very good against Cincinnati because they don't have a quarterback. Because so they if you don't have a quarterback well. in college football, you're not going to win a lot of football games. And they so won't you commit can't to say one. that as Cincinnati... I you You've, cannot say Cincinnati was this dominating defense, but that Notre Dame doesn't okay. have a quarterback. Like you can't have it both ways, dude. Yes, you, you can, can't have it both ways. They do have a quarterback. They just haven't played the one. Who's their quarterback? I think it should be Drew Pine. That's not what I asked. You think it should be Drew Pine? See, like yes. that's your opinion of who you think it should be, but right. that's not. Like, Who's the only quarterback that literally put up Drew points Pine against? Take against Virginia Tech. Zero. Because they don't have a quarterback. Wrong. 
And you said true. it with your own mouth multiple times in this podcast that they have a quarterback problem. They don't have a quarterback. See, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. Now all of a sudden you say they do have a quarterback because you realize that saying they don't have a quarterback undermines your argument of Cincinnati's defense. Because I wasn't saying it that, that they literally to don't up have Cincinnati's one. Win at Notre Dame do. because that's their they have only three good win. that are better than uh, than most of other quarterbacks in college football right now. Three of their quarterbacks are better than Spencer Petrist. Three of their quarterbacks are better than the backup at Penn State. Three of their quarterbacks are better than um, what's his name from Michigan? Aiden McNamara. Yes. So my point to that, what I'm saying is that they don't have a quarterback is because they refuse to commit to one. Mm. Again. It's very interesting because if a quarterback sets himself apart, it's usually is it easy, is it possible to move that there's that a head way. coaching position or a, a a offensive coordinator that position that is refusing to to make a change or like do something that like is that possible, Clint? Is it possible? Like for instance, is it possible that Kirk Ferentz is holding on to Spencer Petrus for no reason? It's possible. Okay. Or it's That's possible that they know. don't have a good enough backup. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Iowa's backup quarterback Only one situation. quarterback came into the Cincinnati game and put points up. Okay. But, so, and that's, and that's because of the dominating defense of Cincinnati. I don't think that they played the best defense in that game, no. But I think that they do have an incredible defense, and they have incredible playmakers, and they have one of the high-recruited defensive uh, players on their team. And again, their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is the current winningest active quarterback in FBS. So, Well, yeah, because they don't play anybody. Yeah, neither does Notre Dame. It's, and they've made the playoffs twice off of Notre record. Dame does play people. Notre Dame plays a Power 5 schedule. And last year they made the playoffs playing a Power 5 schedule in a conference and went to the yeah. conference championship. And Ohio State plays a Power 5 conference schedule, and so does Alabama. And they play some of the weakest Power 5 teams in their conference. And they play some of the best. They play maybe one of the best, and usually it's in, a, in the championship game. That's why literally they've separated them into divisions. I would love to see actually Florida and Cincinnati. I think Florida could beat Cincinnati. You're ridiculous. I'm not. I think Florida could beat them. I think I think Georgia could beat anybody, so that doesn't really that's not really fair. I think Alabama would beat them. If they played this Saturday, Alabama, I would I would take Alabama by double digits. Yep. You said that about Texas AM too. Okay. I would I would You said that about Florida too. You I would you be, in fact on this podcast willing. literally said that Alabama would beat Florida by double digits or two two touchdowns, and then they barely won it on you know like literally by one point. So, yeah, they, I think they you should. are they overselling were... Alabama for being this incredible football team, and I think that they are good. I think they're a top ten. I'm saying that they're incredible. I'm saying they're better than Cincinnati. They haven't proven that though. Those aren't those aren't the same thing. <laughs> they haven't proven that though. Sure, they have. No, they haven't. Sure, they have. They haven't, or they would be where Cincinnati is. They're two spots behind them. Three, in my opinion. Beyond but the in the AP, are they not? The fact of the matter four? is, ask, ask me this right or I'll, Let me ask you this right now. If Cincinnati wins out, are they going to the college football playoff? I think it depends on what happens. Wrong. And that's where I think we disagree, is I think that Cincinnati 100% 
makes the playoff if they win out that'll be two wins against a ranked opponent and incredible like blowing if, out if, everybody if else smu if smu finishes the season ranked there's two wins against a possible opponent. it's possible and they're current where are they right now that what 18th that they are they up because they come in at 20 they came in at 24 but i think they're up. they're 21 right now okay 21 so i'm gonna look at their remaining schedule and see who they have so houston uh that's usually a pretty good game i don't know why i happen to know that but smu houston is usually a pretty good game memphis um they play the same ucf team that cincinnati just did um Obviously, they play Cincinnati on November twentieth. So, if they if they don't move up a whole lot, a loss to Cincinnati is going to knock them out of the top twenty five. Mm-hmm. And so, then they end the season with one ranked. But win. are you? Uh, I'm not punishing Oklahoma for knocking. Well, I guess they didn't technically knock Texas out of the top twenty five. Although they probably could have argued that they should have. But so, you like, have knocked Oklahoma repeatedly after wins. Right, wins that they should have been winning by. In- Better than they were. Says now, who? I, I, like, Vegas? I think, no. No. And I, so again, says you? I think that they're better now. I honestly think that with their new quarterback change that they're going to be a pretty nasty team and really uh, hard to beat. So I think that dynamic alone um, probably propels them. I think it's possible that we'll see Cincinnati fall out of the number two spot. Um, and they probably – I don't know if they'll open as the number two in the college football playoff because we've we've seen – very different iteration between the AP poll and the college football playoff poll when they right. first released. Um, well, and two and three is negligible because that just means you play each other. So it doesn't sure, like if you're yeah. a two or three, it doesn't even really matter. I think it's what possible you don't that Cincinnati be opens. This, I think Cincinnati comes in the college football playoff at four. And as long as they don't lose, especially if they beat SMU as a ranked opponent, I think that they probably are a pretty good lock for the four at worst three. Um, I think it's very possible that Oklahoma could come in the college football playoff ranking as the number two team in the country, especially with the dynamic of a new quarterback who even got Heisman votes this week um, in his first appearance. So that's, Which is that's, surprising. That's kind of crazy. But it's kind of been a year. No one's really set themselves apart, in my opinion. And the 100%. guys who have, the guys who have, like, their teams are kind of undercutting their individual performance, like, like Bijan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bijan's yeah. having himself a year, but Texas is being Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you you still haven't answered my question on UCF. Like, I, I think that if you I, again, I can't remember really all of the details of that season. I remember them, you know, begging to make their case um, and things like that. I, again, I don't think they even came close to the top four. I don't remember a hundred percent what teams were in the top four that year. Um, but anytime uh, it was Alabama, um, Ohio State, Washington, Washington was in with one loss yeah. as the number four. I remember yeah. that. Hey, we're so not wa- going to sit there and argue that the Pac-12 is an incredibly talented conference either, right? And and yet Washington made it in over UCF, right? Which to the I think there is still flaws. So there's the value in playing a hundred percent. But there's also not like, and that's why I would give a nod to a one loss, a one loss. Not just it's not just any. I'm not saying just any one loss team is automatically being propelled in my book over Cincinnati. What I'm saying is, at 
that the committee's job is to give us the best. Um, oh, yeah. So Washington was the number four with one loss. Ohio State was the number three. They also had one loss. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I get what you're saying. And I don't 100% disagree. I just think that's why people are making the case for a more expanded playoff because, like, again, anybody can go out and win one football game. Anybody can go out and lose one football game. That doesn't make you better or worse. Like, there needs to be more head-to-head matchups in these games. I would like to see, you know, like, again, you're playing one playoff game and you're sending four teams. Always just- like. So it's like you got to be better than that team that day. That's that's what makes it what it is. But that's like, why I'm telling you that one loss, like again, that's a problem. If you're sending one two one loss teams, and, and like there's a possibility that UCF could have competed. Now this is an unknown and it's a hypothetical. Like and and the committee is sitting there hypothetically saying that we don't think that UCF can compete instead of giving them an opportunity to play a matchup. Are they saying we don't think they can compete, or are we saying we think that there are four better teams? It's one hundred percent hypothetical. That's a different argument. It's all hypothetical, hypothetical. unless there are head-to-head matchups with opponents. Whether or not they can compete is hypothetical. One hundred percent. I'm not sure if they can can compete, but the idea of I can do an eyeball test and I can say, you know what, a one-loss Ohio State team, I'm going to put in at number three. Over a twelve and zero Central Florida team that really hasn't played anyone, and so when I look at UCF, UCF finished that season with two ranked wins, twelve and zero with two ranked wins, yeah. and they were left out of yeah. the college football playoff because the rest of their body of work wasn't that impressive. I'm sorry, so but you're telling me like if Cincinnati, Ohio State was playing four ranked opponents, but they're not. They're probably playing one or two ranked opponents. Ohio State? Yeah. Sorry. How many have they my, played this year? I had a little mic issue there. It cut out for a second. Um, I don't know how many they played. So Ohio State, are you saying ranked wins or ranked opponents? Because obviously they, their one loss was to the 10th ranked Oregon team. Wins yeah. by a so, touchdown so by a touchdown you, early in the season, and then they're they're going to like for Ohio State to get in with a with one loss with their loss to Oregon, they would have to beat Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and Purdue like, and the, win the Big Ten championship. You no, know, I would say this year is a little bit different. Like. The, for sure been a little bit different as far as the Big Ten. I think you could probably make the case that there would be two deserving Big Ten teams over two SEC teams. Um, I think I think there's a possibility that there because are two the Big Ten teams. Is very strong. Yeah, very strong. Or or is it? Like that's that's what I think we'll find out over the next couple of weeks with Michigan and Michigan State playing each other and the game and all of these other shakeouts that have to happen. But my point is right now, so be honest. All right. Like be honest. If this week, forget Alabama, if this week they had the Battle of Ohio trophy between Cincinnati and Ohio State, you really would take Cincinnati over the Buckeyes? I would. And and let me let me tell you because I th- I think it would be an incredibly I think it would be an incredibly close game. Um but there's a few factors here. I, I think that Ohio State defense 
Yeah, that would be. A, I mean, that would definitely. I think nobody's going to argue that the horseshoe is harder to play at than where Cincinnati play. I don't know the name of it off the top of my mind, mm-hmm. but it's not an incredibly large stadium, and I can tell you that. Um, that's one thing that I think is possible to play better, and we've seen that all year long, where the home team would be underdogs or, or would be lower ranked and be a favorite in the game. I think you would probably see that. I think Cincinnati would come in as an underdog in the matchup. I think Cincinnati has an overall better defense than Ohio State does. It's probably pretty close, but I think it's better. Yeah, Ohio State has gotten better each week, as sure. has their offense. Sure. No, I, I, I agree with that. Right now, Ohio State's playing way above where they started the season out, where they struggled against Minnesota, lost to Oregon, 100%. I think I'm they would that. handle both of those teams if they played today. It's possible. But they they don't get that luxury, so we right. yeah we can't do that. So we have to just evaluate which team do we think is better because sure. if we're trying to make like we're we're not getting to our rankings yet, but um you know when we get in our rankings, essentially whoever we have in the top four is who we would have as the college football playoff teams, right? Right. So um I'll be interested to see who you have there. I mean, obviously. I th- I'm pretty confident in who three of the four teams. I- I'm curious to see who your fourth team will be, and we'll do that at the end. But, um, but to continue on with my point about Ohio State and Cincinnati, if mm-hmm. this was a matchup that happened this week, um, I also think that Desmond Ritter is the more experienced quarterback, and I think that mm-hmm. he would be incredibly poised in this matchup. And I think that he's he's shown incredible, including you know we sat we sat here on this podcast, or even if we didn't say it on the podcast. Definitely said it to each other in private messages that we were laughing at Den Ritter for the comments that he was making about coming to Notre Dame Stadium and it's not going to be loud for very long. And he was right. Like he, 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 they came out and did everything they said they were going to do. He's proven himself in that standpoint. I think he's an incredibly poor quarterback. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and I think that that would be a, a great equalizer for him um, when you're talking about playing on road environments. Because as I said, I don't think that. Uh, you know, um, uh, I don't think in the Ohio and uh, Iowa Penn State game that crowd noise was a factor um, for Sean Clifford. And I don't think he felt in danger in the game because of crowd noise or, or or being in the road. So I think that would be a great equalizer for Desmond Ritter. I think it'd be an incredibly close football game, but I honestly think that Cincinnati could win that football game. Could sure, yeah, I think they could. I think just about any top, probably ten to fifteen team, could knock out just about anybody except Georgia on a given day. On a given day, um, but <laughs> I would I would take Ohio State over them right now. I would take Oklahoma over them right now. I would. I, would take, I think Oklahoma right now with their newfound offense. I, I mean, this is probably their quarterback now is probably as dangerous or nasty as baker or kyler and but maybe even better i would yeah i mean i would take i would take oklahoma alabama ohio state all three of them over them right now i would be really intrigued by michigan and michigan state i would be pretty intrigued by penn state um i would take i would take cincinnati I'd probably take Cincinnati over Michigan. I would probably I would take Cincinnati over Iowa. I would take Cincinnati hmm, over Oregon. 
Um, I'd be intrigued by like an, a Cincinnati, Oklahoma state, but we don't, we don't get that. And we don't get anything close to that with them. Right. For the rest of the season, we yeah. have one real good matchup against Notre Dame that they looked good in. And so all the Notre Dame haters out there hate all you want, but Cincinnati is riding that wave and those coattails potentially into the playoff. And say whatever you want to say about Notre Dame, but they're, they're riding that win solely over anything else. And I think if they potentially beat SMU at the end, I mean, I think there's probably a good chance they beat SMU. If they beat SMU and Notre Dame is their only ranked win, then they would have fewer ranked wins in this season. Or even if SMU stays in the top 25 and, and they beat them, they would have the same number of ranked wins as UCF, who was left out of the playoff because the rest of their resume wasn't strong enough that more than one one loss team made it in. And that's the case I'm making with Cincinnati. I don't buy them as the second best team in the country. I don't buy them as one of the top four teams in the country. I have them ranked there because the way we do ranking systems, you have to. Like, there has to be some, you know, like, you can't just say, like, oh, you were number eight against Notre Dame and you beat them, but I think there's 15 teams better than you, so I'm going to put you at 16. Like, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, so, you like, you, they, have, they have to keep moving up in the rankings as they continue to win and teams ahead of them fall. Like, if a team ahead of you loses and you win, you shouldn't be punished for that. So... By that virtue, by the same virtue that Iowa made it up to the number two spot, Cincinnati has made it up to the number two spot, which is which is less of their resume because you look back at Iowa's resume and it's less impressive now because Indiana's not very good. Um, there's a good chance Iowa State loses their third game of the year. Um, you know, Penn State right now, we'll see how that pans out. Purdue is a team with two or three losses already. So... Like their resume, by by virtue of the fact that they lost to Purdue, like that was a massive hit to their resume. They dropped out of the top ten. They dropped nine spots for that loss, and not rightfully so. Like, um, so I mean, your your entire body of work. I don't like when awards are given out or rewards for teams are given out for single games. And right now, they were favorably ranked coming into the season, didn't really play anyone that's been that good, played Notre Dame, who is a pretty good football team. They're not a great football team. They're a pretty good football team, and they beat them on the road. That is their staple win that they're hanging their hat on right now. No one else that they've beaten is any good at all. And so their entire body of work, if they went out, is still, in my opinion, not that impressive. And so the only way I would have them in the playoff is if teams around them, because I can't really say ahead of them because they're, they're number two right now, if the teams like around them, below them, lose games and fall off, then I think that strengthens their case. I think for Cincinnati to be in the college football playoff, they need help 
from other teams in addition to them winning. I think the other thing that they're trying to do is they are trying to run up the score and blow the doors off people to show that that they're something. You know, like to show that they're not just, you know, beating teams by 20. Like, yeah, they're covering spreads and all this because they feel like they have to. They have to put up 50 points against these little pansy schools to to like make their body of work look better. Like you got to, it's, it's, you know, you got to, those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those, you got to pump those up. Like that's what, that's what I feel like they're doing against some of these teams. And so, and it's probably fairly easy to do because they play in a weak conference. So at the end of the year, we'll have to see how the college football, I'm not saying that I wouldn't put them in. I'm saying as of right now, in my opinion, they're not one of the top four teams in the country. And I think if we didn't have the ranking system set up the way it is, where we just take all of these, you know, darlings of college football and toss a ranking at them, I don't think they would be number two in the country. I don't think Iowa would have gotten to number two in the country. I don't like I, I when you look at these teams, and you would have argued that you would have argued Iowa wasn't the number two team in the country. Or, or let me let me take that back. Not that they weren't the number two team in the country, that they weren't the second best team in the country. I think we have to be very careful where we choose our words. Like, whether or not you think Cincinnati is the number two team in the country versus the second best team in the country might not be the same thing. I didn't think Iowa was the second best team in the country. I did think they were the number two by virtue of what happened ahead of them and them winning and moving up. And so, again, I don't I don't have much else to add. Like, uh, we'll keep an eye on Cincinnati. Honestly, I kind of wish they would lose and end this argument because they they have l- no margin for error. If they lose, they're definitely out because and 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 that's again kind of to the point that I'm making. The reason they have no margin for error is because they don't play anyone. So it's like well, if there's you go a- out and lose to Navy or um Georgia Southern or whoever else they have Tulsa or whatever else that they have on their schedule this season, if you lose even to a ranked SMU team, nobody's going to care. You're out, you're done. Like that's it. So their, their resume is not strong. I don't care how you slice it. It's not strong. They have one good win, a very good win, not a great win, but a one very good win on the road at Notre Dame. That's it. The one difference, and though, so between Iowa that, and Cincinnati, in my opinion, Clay, they're not they're not top four. What the difference though is, Cincinnati started the season ranked number eight. Sure, Iowa started the season ranked what nineteenth, and they jumped mm-hmm. eight spots off of one win, and then mm-hmm. five spots off of a. They got eight spots off of IU win. By the way, right? That's I said that earlier. Iowa benefited from the way the ranking system works. Okay. Because so if you, you can agree with that, because they probably yes, would be out of yes, the top 25 absolutely. realistically. I don't think they'd be out of the top 25. I think they would be because you saw no, Purdue come Penn into State the top win. 25. Not with the Penn State garbage. win and the way that they've won. And like, cause Iowa state's still four and two. Like I like, they're still, I don't think they'd be out of the top 25. I don't think there's, I don't think you're going to tell me there's 25 better teams in college football than them right now because of one loss to Purdue, which by the way, and and maybe we can segue. Well, per, Purdue has outgained every opponent this season. Yep. Like 
they're they're a team that has struggled to like punch the ball in and score, which has been their biggest obstacle from having a better record than they are. Um, and I'm not excusing Iowa or or letting them off the hook for that. I'm just saying, like Purdue's not a scrub football team, and they came in and played very well uh, in a place that is difficult to win, and they didn't seem to have any difficulty winning there. Again, we can talk about the Iowa game here in a minute. I don't think you can say that there's 25 better teams uh, than Iowa right now. I think they looked very bad in one game. I think they have some weaknesses, which we'll talk about here in a, in a minute. Um, some, some obvious ones. Uh, and that's why I said, I don't think, I think they deserved to be ranked number two. I don't think they were the second best team in the country. Um, but again, that's how, well, it's this how is the funny, though. System, it's funny it's how because the this was just works. a week ago that you and Kirk Herbstreit and a lot of other ESPN analysts and journalists were saying, pay attention to Iowa. This is a team yes. that they're going to be dangerous. They're going to get into the playoff. You said they're going to win the Big Ten Championship. You said that on this podcast, that they would win the Big Ten Championship. I said I thought they would win out, which I did think they would win out. I didn't think they would beat, or I didn't think they would lose to Purdue. I thought they would win out. And... um. And make it to the Big Ten Championship. No, you and crowned I said, them Big Ten well, Champions. Hold on a second. The, on this Let podcast, on last week's episode, you said yeah, we can go yeah, back and listen to I it. I think they would I win said, the Big I Ten think they could get in even if they lost close. Did I not say that? Yes, you did say that. Thank you. I but said you there was a they chance they it. could lose that game, and as long as they played well, they could get in with an undefeated regular season. I don't think now. Now I think the only possible way for them to get in is to run the table the rest of the way, which after what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I have more doubts about. They, they still should be favored. The Nebraska game, I'm a lot more nervous about. This Wisconsin game, as bad as they've been, I said at the very beginning of the season, made me nervous. The Northwestern game, because they always seem to, there's certain teams that seem to have their number. Purdue's one. Purdue beat them four out of the last five times. Northwestern is one. Um, but the rest of their games, they should be favored in. Um, but we saw some things from them this week that we haven't seen all season. Wrong. So, no, it's not wrong. It is wrong. It is not wrong. It's definitely Because for one thing, you don't even know what things I'm going to list. So how can you say that it's wrong? <laughs> because. What, what was I, I about I, to say that we've seen from them that we haven't seen all season? Exploit in defense on the passing game? Nope. Then tell me them. Let's go ahead and segue right into that because I'm ready right. to move on into this game. Uh, That's because- fine. Here's, here's what we haven't seen. I was, I was worried about the, the back of the secondary because of Moss going down in the, in the Penn State game he last played, week. Didn't he? He played yesterday, what? didn't he? No. No, I'm like 90% sure. Now, again, I had to watch most of the game on delay on a four-inch screen on my phone, but I don't think he played. What? There, so here, here are the things that happened yesterday that have not happened the rest of the season. All right, number one, minus like... A, a couple, I mean, he hasn't perfectly protected the ball, but for the most part, 
Spencer Petras doesn't really turn the ball over. He turned the ball over four times yesterday. I disagree. I think he's turned the ball over plenty of times. He including has six against interceptions. the weakest opponent on your six, including six, against the weakest opponent six, on your record in Colorado six, State. He turned the ball over in that six game. Interceptions. He has six interceptions on the season. Four were against Purdue. So I think it's fair to say he has not turned the ball over very often. Yeah, well, he doesn't. Thank you. He doesn't get a chance to. So two thirds of his of his turnovers came in one game. So I think it's fair to say that he does not normally turn the ball over. You say he doesn't have opportunity to write. I have said all season, this team does not rely on him to go win games. So one of the things that was kind of ironic was you were reading off to me the different um, playoff odds and the, what was the greatest weakness or whatever of each team that someone wrote was at ESPN. Yep. Um, and the thing that was kind of funny is what they said about Georgia was actually more true about Iowa. What they said about Georgia was that they haven't had to score. And it's like Georgia's put up just stupid numbers. Iowa hasn't had to score because their defense has been very, very good. In this game against Purdue, where their defense didn't force any turnovers um, for the first time all season, and yet they still lead the nation. So again, that's out of the ordinary. Um, their their defense, um, well, their their defense lived on the the field again because the offense was terrible. And so, when they, in a game where they needed the offense to actually like pull their weight, they didn't at all, at all. I mean, seven points at home is truly embarrassing, especially as the number two team in the country. Whether or not you feel like they deserve to be there or not, and again, I think they deserve to be there. I don't think they were the second best team in the country. But they, it's inexcusable. It is, it is inexcusable to score seven points at home as a 10-point favorite. Inexcusable. And four interceptions from your quarterback who traditionally has not turned the ball over this season, that was one of the things that happened in that game that was out of the ordinary. Another thing that happened in that game that was out of the ordinary is the defense not forcing a single turnover. I, they lead well, the nation. The oh, I'm sorry. When was that? See, I told you I missed, I missed parts of the game. So I, I may have, you got the, I may well, have it technically it. wasn't uh, like a defensive force turnover. It was the fumble that they said went out of bounds to the end zone. Oh, the touchback play. I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking fumble, like a fumble recovery. Yeah, so there were no takeaways in that game. Only game all season. So you can say what you will, and you you haven't really bought into Iowa's defense, but they lead the nation in turnovers still with putting up zero in that game. Um, so that's another thing that was out of the ordinary. Um, they didn't create any kind of pass rush. In fact, they get to the quarterback man i don't even know if they did it was like nothing about it was what we've seen from them all season um yeah they had one sack on the day no interceptions no fumble recoveries um only forced two punts uh and then they missed a field goal too not that i mean they lost by 17 points but um so yeah, my point is 
like hats off to Purdue. Oh, the other thing that happened that has not happened all season that was definitely out of the ordinary is they allowed a wide receiver 11 catches, 240 yards. And what was really weird about that, there were two things. So for me watching, it was frustrating because it's like, do something different. Like double team a guy, like do something. Their next closest guy had 48 yards. Sheffield had eight catches, 48 yards. But you let Bell go 11 for 240 and a touchdown. Like, and I don't know what was going on with Hankins. Like, Hankins is going to be an NFL corner um, and, and has been touted as a, a cornerback who will play on Sundays. And he was matched up against a wide receiver who a lot of people believe will play on Sundays and definitely looked like it on Saturday. Uh, like David Bell's no joke. Um, I mean, he's got almost 700 receiving yards this season. Of course, obviously like a third of them came in, in yesterday's game, but like he's also had some injury issues and things like that. In fact, I don't know if he even played in the Notre Dame game, but um yeah, I, Hankins, I don't know what happened there. I mean, he's been a, a very good corner all season and just got repeatedly burned, and they don't, like, bench him. They don't give him safety help. They don't do anything. Like, and, and that was so frustrating. The other thing that was frustrating is that offensively, they just refused to try anything different. And maybe they really aren't capable of it. But, I mean, even just, like, running tempo. They ran tempo um, on... And then, oh, my goodness. There were so many frustrating things about this game. They ran tempo, moved the ball right down the field. And then they had a third and two. And they did two quarterback sneaks. Now, I do think they got gypped on the spot. I think on the second effort, he actually got the first down or at least closer. It might have been another one of those, like, Tennessee where maybe he still is short, but they definitely shorted him from where he should have been. But nonetheless, like you have a good fullback in Padabom. You have a good halfback in Goodson and even in Kelly Martin. And you don't give it to any of those three guys. Like Padabom, especially like he is your, you know, whatever and one, whatever and two type big bruiser guy. Like, and they've given it to him on those plays before. And they ran back to back quarterback sneaks. And it just like didn't make any sense at all. Um, and they just, they kept running the same offense. There was no variation to it. And so Purdue wasn't forced to make any changes defensively. And so that to me was. Those were the two most frustrating things. They didn't make any changes on either side of the ball. Like you've got to help your your wide receiver who's clearly outmatched against David Bell. I mean, I, could it be more obvious than 11 catches for 240 yards that he was outmatched and you don't bring any kind of double team, you don't scheme any differently, you don't bring any different kind of pressures to the quarterback even though you you only got to him once the whole game. And it's like putting those pressures on the quarterback is what's allowed your secondary to get a lot of those takeaways is they force quarterbacks into bad throws and they capitalize on them. So, you know, I know you, you like being smart alecky and I like being smart alecky too. I think it's more fun 
to live life that way, especially in sports. And you're like, well, the real Iowa, please stand up. Oh, they did. No, nothing about this has been anything like what we've seen from this with one exception. And that is that the offense continues to not be dynamic. They just don't have playmakers. Like they don't have a, a wide receiver that they can throw the ball up to like, like Notre Dame's had with Chase Claypool or Will Fuller or some of these guys or, and, and not even, I mean, Iowa is not a big place where they're putting, there's a reason that the, the people they're putting in to the NFL aren't quarterbacks and they're not wide receivers. I mean, yeah, CJ Beathard and some of these guys that are for whatever reason, they always seem to end up on the 49ers as a backup, but like, those aren't guys that are going out and starting football games in the NFL at, at quarterback. Like Ricky Stanzi was a fairly dynamic quarterback several years ago for them, and he didn't amount to anything in the NFL. And I don't think anyone thought he would. But they don't run any kind of dynamic offense. They run very boring old-school offense. And they've been able to get away with it because their defense hasn't asked the offense to have to do much. And the one time this season they asked the offense, hey, we're going to need you guys to step up. And they couldn't do it. Um, and they didn't do anything different to try. Like, I don't know what was going on with either Ference, because his son, I believe, is the offensive coordinator. And it's like, dude, like, do something. Like, try something different. Run your other backup quarterback out there. Like, I, is he that? Is he that bad? I mean, like, that's where we were asking earlier in the season about Tyler Buckner. Is he that bad that they don't want to let him throw the ball? Like, and that's what I wonder about Iowa's backup quarterback. Like, is he so bad that, I mean, Spencer Petras finished with a QBR of 16. I, I think I heard someone say, if you took every snap and threw it into the ground, you end with a QBR of 35. So, like, I mean, just a really, really terrible day for him. Just barely a tick over 50%, only six yards. And that's that's what Iowa has been, like throw the ball to the tight end, you know, and look who their leading receiver was. Laporta, five catches, 61 yards at the tight end. Like, they don't have dynamic playmakers. And I don't know if it's they just can't get them to come to Iowa. Because you look at Iowa's roster and you look where a lot of these guys come from. A lot of them come from Iowa. They come from Ames and Iowa City and, and these little farm towns. And that's who it is. It's these big old farm boys and... That's why the, the people that go into the NFL from Iowa are tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, just like big dudes that can just push people around and that pull tractors in the offseason to trade to do all this kind of stuff. Like that's who they get. They don't get the dynamic playmakers. And so it was frustrating to just see them not try anything different. And it's the same frustration that we've had in in a different way, but it's the same frustration we've had with Notre Dame sometimes where it's like, try something different, like run tempo, try doing something like run these screens to, to Kyron Williams or whatever, like, but like try something different. And they didn't like they, they ran the same offense and they ran the same defense the whole game when neither were working. It was a head scratcher. It just, it didn't make any sense and it was frustrating to watch. And so they took their licks and they deserve to fall as far as they as far as they did to fall out of the top 10 they absolutely deserve that um and i'd have to look at the top 25 to tell you whether or not i think they're the i don't know that i think that they're the 11th best team in the country right now because i said your 
your offense only has to be as good as your defense allows, right? Like I've said that all season. And their offense couldn't muster more than seven points at home. So those are my thoughts on that game. Like, you can tell me where I'm wrong about them or what I missed on, but I, you know, you've said I haven't been critical of them. And part of the reason I haven't been critical of them is like, I've agreed with some of your takes on them. And like, I didn't feel the need to beat a dead horse on the same things that you've said. I've just defended some of the things they've done well because I felt like you haven't wanted to give them much credit for for much that they've done. Um, and so I've taken that position. It's not that I am blind to the things they haven't done well. Like I've known all season their offense hasn't been great. Um, it's not dynamic. And I was worried that even with the backup quarterback situation that they would be able to come back against Penn State, and I was glad that they did. But at the end of the day... Um, you know, the, the offense is a liability and that's why I don't think I like, I'm not convinced that they could hang with a big, like, I think there still is a good chance that they, all they have to do still is win out. And if they manage to win out, they'll still go to the big 10 championship because the West is not very good. Um, and so by that virtue, they still control their own destiny as, far as having an opportunity to play for a Big Ten championship. And then, like you said, anything can happen on a given Saturday. You know, and maybe they get some of the turnovers they need. Maybe they get some defensive scores to help, you know, with with some of their scoring droughts and things. Or maybe they learn to call, like, I don't know, more than five different plays. But I think their path to the playoff is pretty much shot. I think this is too big of a loss to overcome. Because I think the only way they could overcome it is to be dominant the rest of the way. And I don't see them having the ability to dominate. Um, and I think not not even just dominate the rest of the way, but I think they would have to have a big statement win against an undefeated Big Ten opponent or maybe a one-loss Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. I think they would have to like beat them soundly. And I don't see them having the ability to do that especially with what I saw yesterday. So that's that's kind of how I see the Hawkeyes at this point in the season. So uh, a couple of things for me. Uh, you had mentioned uh, David Bell, and obviously he had an incredible performance. And you'd even said, you know, with some injuries and stuff, and that's probably uh, so, some of the area that they could have used him more. And you questioned whether or not he played in the Notre Dame game. He actually did play in the Notre Dame game. He had seven catches for 64 yards. Um, but their leading uh, receiver, Jackson Anthrop, at 90 receiving yards. So he did play in that game, which I think also continues to speak volumes where I think that Notre Dame defense is at uh, in comparison. Um, and, and I say that to bring up that this was not at all a good defensive effort from Iowa. Um, and I, I 100% agree that we've got a totally inept offense. Eventually that runs out. And that's been my argument as far as, your defense only has to be good as your as good as your offense is bad. You're right, but eventually it runs out, and we saw this happen. And I think it was in very very close danger to happening last week. You gave up over a hundred yards in the first quarter of that game, and, and 14 points. Um, and and then you know the dynamic of the game shifted when when Clifford left the game, and so it allowed things to free up for Iowa defensively because they had an inept offense that they were going up against. And Penn, and Iowa's offense continued to be bad in, in that Penn State game. And that's why it still kind of came down to the wire, essentially. 
um, if you want to call six and a half minutes left in the game down to the wire. Um, but in this one, it just really kind of felt more like, you know, and I'm like you had mentioned, I said, the real Iowa please stand up. In my opinion, that's because this has been pending, in my opinion. Like, this is a performance that I think has been pending for Iowa because of their inept at, at offense, offensive positions, because they have struggled so hard. Eventually, this runs out on you. And, and when you play, you know, a team, and by the way, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take away from Purdue's win, but also this would have been what is this, this was Iowa's seventh game in a row, which is no joke. I mean, a lot of, there are many teams that had this week, a bye week or even earlier in the season. And and so I, you know, I think there is definitely, you know, things that happen playing seven weeks, week, weeks in a row and you've had some physical football games and you've got an injury and things like that. So very, I think very big emotional game last week too, with, with yeah. all of the Fox big big noon game for their 330 game yeah and then yeah the number three number four biggest game in 40 years you know uh, and i i did say coming into this game i was worried that there could be some potential hangover from that penn state um and then the other thing is i think it was a 10 and a half or 11 something like that was the spread and i didn't see it as that at any point like i i thought of this as more of a um I, I thought this was like a 24. No, I thought of this probably more as like a 17-13 kind of a game for Iowa where they were able to hold Purdue's offense mostly in check and then put up, you know, I I, I feel like they're, they're a team that should be good enough to put up 17 points at home. I don't think that's unreasonable. That's why this was such a frustrating and disappointing Loss, and I think Purdue just fed off of. We talked a lot about momentum in college football, and man, when every the wheels were just coming off. I mean, Iowa would finally get them into a third down situation, and then commit a stupid penalty. Um, and even the announcers were like, "This is something." That was another thing for Iowa. Like they're they're not normally a big, heavily penalized team, and Purdue kind of has been. That's actually what's been another factor in their outgaining every opponent but still having two losses so for them um again credit to them like you said but i think they definitely fed off of that momentum and it just seemed like any time like iowa was just never able to capture it back and the best opportunity they had was the touchdown turn touchback and i think they went three and out on it um and it was just and the same three plays that you know i feel like anyone that's watched Iowa or watched them in that game, you probably could have written down the three plays that they were going to run. And so, as I've said before, like if I'm sitting at home on the couch and I can tell you what's about to happen, you better believe that even the worst college football coach is going to know it. And so, yeah, Purdue played, they got after Spencer Petras. I mean, aside from the turnovers, they sacked him what felt like 37 times. I don't remember the actual number, but it was a lot. Um, And so, yeah, Iowa just, there were things that they normally do well. Their offensive line has normally been better than what it was. Um, and so I don't know that any quarterback would have done real well back there. But well, yeah, that, it just, that's another situation that I was going to get into. You mentioned the, the back-to-back um, UB sneaks. Like I was probably one of the best teams in the country at that, at that play. I don't know. If I, you know I, I question going 
through that, you know, twice in a row. Like why, why on third down, I guess. Um, but well, they had done it on third down earlier in the game. Yeah. So they did but you have third ex- and two. You have the expectation to, to do it with, you know, you've got one of the best centers in the country and that's a play that they live by. Like you do live by that play. Um, because you pretty much run a half, you know, if we were talking in basketball terms, you run a half court offense essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've said this many times that just Iowa does not have the ability to drive the football. They did it one time in this game and that's the only points they've got to show for it. Um, and, and, and with that, I also say that, you know, I've talked about Purdue having the bye week and, and Purdue or, or yeah, Purdue having the bye week and Iowa playing seven straight. Also Purdue came out with a three quarterback system, which, uh, is very unconventional, unconventional. And I don't think you would like, you wouldn't have come into this game and said that it's a, a game plan that they should go ahead and try out. Um, but it is, and it worked in so many different, in, in so many different facets, whether it was a design run or, or, or whatever the case may be. But yeah, Aiden O'Connell um, was a leading passer with 375 yards. Like they were able to throw the ball all over the place on that defense. Not so much in the rushing, um, but they didn't have to either. So, like, if it ain't if it ain't broke, like, don't fix it. Um, everything they did offensively worked, and and they were able to run downhill at Iowa on defense. I had mentioned that to you. I like sent a text where I'm like, man, Purdue is just run downhill because they don't feel yeah. threatened by that offense. Like, like there is no threat there. Um, and so again, like that's been this is where I've been at with Iowa. I, I felt like this performance was pending. And I think it was very much going to happen last week um, and had had in the first quarter. Things happened. They still managed to win the football game. Great. But this is a performance I feel like was pending. I didn't know that Purdue was probably going to be the team to do it. You know, we we played Purdue and we actually won that game fairly decisively. Um, and obviously things get different as the season goes on and teams change, dynamics change. Um, you know, Notre Dame wasn't running a quarterback system at the time. Uh, and you can say what you want about Jack Cohn, like they were winning ball games with him as the only quarterback, and that's that's the case that I'll make for that. Um, and, and so, you know, this is a very embarrassing loss if if you're Iowa. Like, mm-hmm. man, again, you mentioned only scoring seven points. I, I mean, only scoring seven points anywhere, home or away. I feel like uh, is pretty embarrassing especially when you're in a highly ranked uh a high ranked team and whether they deserve number two or or not or whether they deserve 15 or not it doesn't matter because you were there um and right. and, and now it's a loss that you've got to take as the number two team in the country and so you know it's embarrassing you know and the other thing that i want to say about you mentioning you know petrus protecting the ball even as inept as their offense has been um he had the one pick early in the game um, and then the other three were in garbage time. Like he was just trying to get points. Um, it was already settled. It was 24 to seven when he threw his second interception and that he continued with two more in just like pure garbage time. offense. They were just sending the ball deep, trying to just get points in this game to narrow that margin of victory. Because it, you know, if you lose this game by, a field goal or maybe even by just right. a touchdown. Yeah, it's it's all about the optics for yeah, sure. Exactly. And so, you know, again, there are bad throws and he does make bad throws. But the funny thing is, is like, there are really there, there's honestly times where he makes incredible throws and like he makes incredible reads. And sometimes he gets the ball out. quick. You mentioned how much they lean on the tight end. That's because he knows he can get the ball out quick and get it to that guy. 
Um, and, and yeah, there's no excuse for bad play calling. And I 100% agree that there's bad play calling there. Um, and, and you got some uh, playmakers, that, you know, especially your, your running Batson. Like, he's a pretty dynamic playmaker. But it's so hard. Like, we're seeing the same issue with Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is a, is a great dynamic playmaker. But the offensive line and the offense itself is inept. And it doesn't give him the ability to get out and break, 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 uh, you know, make breakout plays. Uh, yeah. and, and that's where, you know, this is my, my, my case on Iowa is that they've been overperforming and, and, you know, some of the teams that played at the beginning of the season, you mentioned you know, Iowa state is in danger of, of losing their third game. And the, uh, they haven't been the dynamic offense that expectation was. Uh, Brock Purdy coming into the season as a Heisman favorite. He's not remotely played close to that. And, and then, you know, with IU and, and, and then, you know, whatever the situation was last week, you still went out and won the game. But I, I've just felt like this kind of performance was pending because you're running the defense out on the field so much. We've seen this story time and time again. Great defense can win you ball games. And matter of fact, for you as a Denver fan, great defense has won you Super Bowls. Um, but eventually it runs out and, and, and like you've got to be able to score. Like you said, you've got to be able to score at least 17 at home, right? Like at least that and you felt like they could score 17 points and I've just completely disagreed. And I think that you know, their, their ability to create turnovers. Um, but when you finally face a team that's a little more protective over the ball and, and is able to, you know, not be afraid and can run downhill at you. This kind of performance was just coming, in my opinion. And, you know, again, I, I want to give, you know, Iowa credit for playing their seventh game in a row. That's hard. Very few teams right now in college football have played seven games in a row. And, and Michigan State's one of them, and they struggled against IU. Like, that many games in a row is tough. Um, and, and so the, I feel like there's that. And also, as a Notre Dame fan, We've seen where teams just come out and literally throw everything they've got at you, and it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to go win a ball game when you're not having to protect anything. Purdue didn't have nothing to lose. You come out and throw everything you've got at them, and and I think that happened in this game too. Well, and your point too, and then this is kind of my last thought because it was a good point you brought up about the three quarterback thing. Like they hadn't done that all year. No. And so how, you know, how do you prepare for that? Like you didn't, you didn't prepare for that. You didn't prepare for that at all. Now, in fairness, you probably do prepare for their main throwing quarterback and you still got torched. So there's no excuse there, but it does keep you off balance. And it'll, it, and maybe that's why they didn't try to change anything defensively from a scheme standpoint, because didn't you didn't know anything. who was coming in from one play to the next. I don't know. I still think you got to try something when you're getting beat, you know, like like the way that they were. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the good news for them is they get that week off now to kind of regroup, to hopefully get some people healthy, and then on the road for the next two, um, Wisconsin and Northwestern. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, November 13th for the Minnesota game. And then, you know, Minnesota, Illinois, and then at Nebraska to end the season. So they, they have a couple tricky ones ahead. Um, you know, so has ne- does Nebraska just play every week, no matter what? They've played eight <laughs> games. Have they not had a week off either? No, they, they couldn't have. Like, that's no. incredible. Um, I just realized that they're three and five. <laughs> Man. Um, so anyway... Yeah, I mean, they have time to regroup, 
And, um, you know, what they're going to need again is help from, from teams above them. Um, but again, I think Iowa also makes my case of the danger of these early rankings and just hopping all over the rankings because they got catapulted in there um, from two wins that at the time looked really good because they were a spanking of a ranked team and then a road-ranked uh, opponent uh, in which they were not favored in at least one of those two games. And so by virtue of how they won those, jumped up. And, you know, so... Again, I I would just like to see I don't I don't know if you have to wait till week six or seven, but I would just like to see a little bit more of a body of work before we we just start rolling out rankings of of teams because it just is, you know, I don't know. I, I think like we've seen this year again, sixteen of the top twenty five teams in the country or fourteen, sorry, fourteen of the top 25 teams in the country week one are no longer even currently ranked. Um, so obviously it, it goes to show that we have no idea who some of these teams are or what to expect from them. I mean, we certainly thought a lot more of teams like Miami and Iowa state and Texas and some of these others. And so I would just like to see that pushed out a little bit. And again, I think there is a reason that the college football playoff, which they, what do they do? I mean, I know they obviously do the top four, but don't they go out to like eight or 10? Yes. I think they go out to 10. I think so. Um, because it kind of gives you an idea of who's, who's close or whatever. But I, again, I don't know. I think they'd come out week eight. I don't know that you have to go that long. Most teams play 12 games. So I would say around week six or so, once you've seen a team play four or five games, you probably have a pretty good feel for who they are. Um, the reason that they're not ever going to go away from doing that is because it makes the matchups on paper look better. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a sell. It keeps you interested. It, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, we're playing the number two team in the country this week. Like, but it, man, it think about how game. more impactful it would be to beat the number two team in the country if they weren't ranked number two until you'd seen them play six games, so you were pretty sold on the fact that they were a top-ranked team. Like, doesn't that make that win much more impactful than, say, beating Clemson as the number three-ranked team? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess maybe. But I, I also don't know if anybody would have predicted Clemson to be as bad as they are. Like, I think you and I both felt that DJ Uwe Ungalale was going to come in and not necessarily be the next Trevor Lawrence, but you had to feel like he could, you know, really be uh, yeah. destructive. Yeah, so if he improves it in the first four or five weeks of the season, then, hey, you know what, we feel like Clemson, you've played as about the 12th best team in the country or the 8th or 3rd or whatever. But instead, we're just saying, hey, you know, this team's usually pretty good. They're usually a playoff team. Their quarterback, when we saw him for a couple of games last year, looked really good. Let's rank them third. Like, there's really not a lot. Like, I don't want to say there's not a lot that goes into it and that it's completely ignorant, but I don't think it's this highly developed opinion because every that's the biggest difference in, like, the NFL and college is you have this constant turnover of players, of coaches, of coordinators, 
you know, that are taking other jobs. Now with the transfer portal, I think that's why you're seeing so much more parity in college football because these kids can go wherever they want. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's never going to be game, a perfect the game system. needs to continue to evolve. Like I, I'm always, uh, I'm always about sports evolving and what can make sports better. And I think one of the things that can make it better, I mean, uh, the, the other thing that I think would make it better is, is reducing the number of these cupcake games. Like I, I would love to see college football do what like college basketball does with like the big 10 ACC challenge or those kind of things where like every year you're playing someone from a power five conference if you are in a power five conference and these school like this school five um or, or whatever i i don't know like the the odds are stacked against you i think if you want to be one of those schools that makes it into the playoff and you're gonna have a very weak conference resume then you better load up your non-conference resume and the reason they don't do that is you have to make those schedules so far in advance that it's like, well, I don't know if we're going to be any good six years from now, and I don't want to get the wheels beat off of us. So I might schedule one or two that we maybe think we can compete with. And, you know, I think, and that's where you get the Central Floridas, the Coastal Carolinas, the Cincinnati's. Um, so I don't know. But anyway, um, we need to wrap this, but we have our top 10 first. Uh, this has been a long episode, but apparently, according to our viewers or listeners, I always want to call them viewers, probably because I have a face for podcasts. Um, <laughs> our listeners seem to not mind, so um, maybe it's just because we haven't talked Notre Dame as much. Oh, no, we did. Just not today. They snuck into the Cincinnati conversation. Anyway, it's time for our top 10. So... Um, Mark, who is your outside looking in team for this week? Yeah, my uh, number 11 team um, was idle this week as well. Um, and I think that they're, again, one position away from being a really, really good football team. I think you've seen them play really good against teams like Purdue and Wisconsin and struggle against really good football teams like Cincinnati. Um, and I said that I feel like they would make their way into the top 10 eventually at some point in the season. And I feel like as long as they went out, that'll continue to happen. And so this week, you know, if you're going to tell me that Purdue with their win over Iowa was good enough to vault them into the top 25 and good enough to move Cincinnati into the number two, then number 11 should be Notre Dame. All right. Um, for me at number 11, I guess. Um, this is where I put Iowa. Um, I feel like dropping them nine spots is fair. I mean, Purdue into the top 25. I mean, if you're beating the number two team in the country and you're four and two, I mean, I feel like you probably should be in the top 25. And they've done a lot of other good things this season. Um, so, um, yeah, I've got, I've got Iowa there. Um, and I honestly think that in the week off, they uh, they need to either figure some things out. Like, I could honestly see them going either direction from here. I could see them climbing up. I don't know that they can climb up a whole lot more. Um, but I could see them climbing up into maybe an eight or a six, maybe best case scenario. Um, and that's if all the stars align. But, man, this was the season that their stars had aligned in terms of their schedule um, being kind of top-heavy 
again, taking advantage of overranked teams um, to propel you forward. And then what should have been a fairly smooth sailing to the end and yeah, blew it. Um, so I have them at 11. Number 10. My number 10 team in the country is a team that continues to win football games. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that like haven't really looked that great, um, but still winning. They got a big matchup this week. Uh, and they're going to, you know, I think this will be very telling for where this team currently is and where they're going to be at going forward. So my number 10 team in the country is the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, and I think for all of the things that you just said, um, I have them also in the same spot, so I won't really regurgitate your points. I think you make real solid points there, so... um, That'll be probably a game we preview next week is that UCLA game because that one could have had a lot better Man, implications coming there? into this week. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, <laughs> and now it's going to be an honorable mention slash quick preview game. Almost as an afterthought. Not a quite because I think they do. And here you go. So I just happened to glance at this. UCLA, as of right now, a one and a half point favorite at home against the 10th ranked Oregon Ducks. Like the power of the home field right now in the Vegas odds uh, is pretty incredible. All right. Number nine, my number nine team in the country also has a big matchup this week. They've had a bye week. I'm very curious to see what their quarterback situation is looking like. Cause we haven't seen them since the Iowa game. Uh, and I haven't even heard anything about whether he'll be playing in this game. Uh, but my number nine team is the Penn state and Lions. All right, so you're dropping them a spot from last week. Yeah, um, they're idle, so. Yeah, that's one of those. It's it's always kind of tough to know what to do with, with them. Um, yeah, for me, my number nine team is a team that we talked about earlier in the podcast and um, has found ways to win and is undefeated. Um, neither of us thought they would be undefeated at this point, uh, and yet here they are. Um, and so... Still with kind of an outside looking into the playoff, I think, at this point, but um, a team that kind of will control their own destiny to some degree or another, and that is the Oklahoma State Cowboys, uh, is who I have at number nine. Number eight. Yeah, my my number eight team is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Okay. Uh, my reason for putting them there, and I even, you know, I, I know I kind of press you on them not necessarily, you know, handling business in this game, uh, but we're underdogs on the road. And uh, I think that holds value. If you're going to put value on them being underdogs and the higher ranked team, there's got to be a lot of value there for winning that game. Uh, and and here the thing the thing is is that you know putting them there now they're going to end up playing Oklahoma eventually. So things are going to either work themselves out or it'll be really complicated if they beat Oklahoma. Uh, but I think that that win against Texas, you know, and battling back from down uh, is is good enough for the eighth spot. There you go. For me, number eight. Um, and so this is kind of interesting because we basically have we basically view these two teams as the same here. So I have Penn State at number eight. Um, I don't remember exactly where I have them. I think I might have kept them the same, or I might have bumped them down a spot or so. But um, yeah, I think you know they just got to sit back and watch some other teams lose ahead of them. And um, who do they have this week? Uh, I believe they are playing the Ohio State Buckeyes. Illinois. So oh, oh, Illinois? I, I thought yes. they had a bigger game than that. They better not be for their sake. So, right. in fact, they're a 23.5-point favorite at home. This is one that I would say if 
Sean Clifford is at all still nursing an injury that you so, almost, yeah. yeah. I mean, unless, him unless you need you're him. Yeah. Yeah. Say, Hey man, like this is, you are our guy moving forward. This is not, you are injured and you've lost your starting spot because certainly, you know, from what we saw from the backup against Iowa, like that's not in question. So we're sitting you because we need you healthy for teams where we need our first team. We think we can probably beat Illinois with our second team. And so we're going to run our second team quarterback out there. So just like if he struggles, be ready to come in. But we're going to try to get you. Him did this with Ian Book uh, a couple of years ago where they gave Ra- Brandon Wimbush like a random start on like week 10 or something. Um, I think it's turf to, toe or something like that. What's up? I think Ian book had like turf or something like that, that he probably yeah, could have played but. injured in the West in the Northwestern game, I think. Yeah. Um, and so they set him the following week against like Navy or, or Syracuse or somebody that they felt confident winning. And so I think that's not a bad strategy. And if I'm um, James Franklin, I think, I'm at least considering that if my guy, even if my guy is good to go, I say, Hey, be ready in case we need you, but we want you to be fully healthy because we will definitely need you in some of these upcoming games. All right. They they play Uh, Ohio state the week after that. So, yeah. So I definitely give the guy essentially two weeks to heal if at all possible. Or if you jump out to an early lead, I'd also then just pull him. Yep. That that would be my other like if you feel like you're gonna hurt his feelings or damage his psyche or something if you don't start him then say hey like I'll tell you what man go get us some points and we jump out to a big lead I would like to sit you for the entire second half yeah you know or at least the fourth quarter I I need you rested and 110 percent for Ohio State I need you at like 40 percent against Illinois so yeah um anyway number seven. Yeah, number seven team, uh, again, was idle this week, um, but it's gotten better week by week, and they pose a threat to other unbeaten teams in their conference, and uh, that would be the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State University. Um, yeah, for me, um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit higher on Ohio State because I, I know they lost a game at home, but the trajectory they've been on ever since has been nothing but up on both sides of the football. Um, I'm, I'm selling them early. I'll talk about them when I get to where I have them. My number seven team, um, I still am just really struggling to buy in on. But again, this is where I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like I'm trying to take off my, like or I'm trying to maybe put on my fan hat. And if this was Notre Dame with the same resume, would I maybe be arguing a little bit differently? I don't know. Um, I, it's probably better to just try to never put fan hats on or off, but just be subjective. But here we are. Um, they continue to win. Um, and they got another gritty win, but sometimes gritty wins. I mean, again, that's all that really matters is that you continue to get the W and they did. So my number seven team is the Michigan state Spartans. Um, number six. All right, so my number six team is, in my opinion, currently the best one-loss football team. Um, and, you know, I've even kind of been thinking about, like, okay, we just talked about Iowa and how bad that loss is to Purdue. This team has a bad loss, and it wasn't um, by deficit, per se, as the same as Purdue and Iowa. But Alabama's loss 
to Texas A&M is a bad loss because they were, what, 18-point favorites on the road? Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, yeah, you know, so like I, I struggle with going back and forth because obviously Alabama is an incredibly talented football football team, and I think that they've been more beatable this year than definitely in the last like two or three. Uh, and so you know, that's a bad loss, but I still think they're the best one loss team. So that's my number seven team. Yeah. Number six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I had a team that was idle this week as well. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my number six team is actually the AP number six team. And that's the Michigan Wolverines. I think I may have had them there before and just kind of kept them. Um, they've got, uh, they've got Northwestern this week uh, before their big matchup with Michigan State um, on the 30th. So um, that really should be a tune-up game for them. It's at the big house. There's really no reason that they shouldn't continue to be excuse me, unbeaten going into that game. Obviously, Michigan State's going to have the benefit of the week off. Um, so we should see two unbeaten teams. And I mean, how often have we seen two Big Ten top ten matchups in the same season? I mean, like that's pretty impressive. Like props to the Big Ten this year for really showing out uh, as a conference. But yeah, number six, Michigan. Uh, number five. Yeah. So my number five team is the Michigan State Spartans. Um, again, you know, we've we've talked about how they're won some great games. They've also had some really decisive football games. You know, we obviously Miami is what it, what it is, but you know, going on the road and, and dominating that game, I think was a great case for them. And it did propel them um, up into the you know top 15 at the time. Uh, and they've climbed every week. And, and again, you know, I put them here despite what the AP says, because I think that this is going to be an incredible matchup in East Lansing in a couple of weeks. Uh, both teams will most likely be undefeated. I would be absolutely shocked if Michigan lost in the Western. Western, um, and this is going to be an incredible football football game that I can't wait to preview and I can't wait to watch. Uh, so that's my number five team. Yeah, so that's another one where we're just kind of flip flop, but we're kind of in that same ballpark on both of those teams. Yeah, Michigan, a twenty one and a half point favorite at home against Northwestern this Saturday. Um, number, oh, number five for me. Um, this is where I have Alabama. So, um, again, I'm, I still am kind of trying to follow my, um, would the team above you, like, would you beat the team above you? Would you beat the team below you? And when I put together these rankings, like right now, if, if Alabama, Michigan played, I would feel more confident, uh, with Michigan. Oh, you had Michigan state. I'm sorry. So we didn't quite have these exactly the same, but. Um, I, I would have, uh, Alabama, uh, beating Michigan probably or Michigan state here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I don't quite have them back in the playoff because I just think there has to be some kind of consequence for losing to an unranked team. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting don't don't oversell what I'm about to say because I know that that's what you love to do. But when Texas A&M, like, I mean, you even said Alabama, a road 18 point, 18, 18 and a half point road favorite, and they lose to Texas A&M 
um, who was unranked, and they'd won 100 straight unranked. Saban had never lost to an assistant. And Alabama fell from one to, what, five, six? Yeah. And, you know, Iowa fell from two to 11 in the, in the uh, AP <clears throat> by also losing to a team with a similar record um, who you could probably argue outside of, um, like, had, had played, I think, every bit as good as Texas A&M. You know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I just, it's interesting to me, the love for the SEC, uh-huh. that if you lose to an SEC team, an unranked SEC team as the number one team in the nation with a nearly three-touchdown favorite, you drop five spots. Yeah. But when the Big Ten is clearly the strongest conference, and and that and as of last week had half of the top ten in their conference, and you lose to a Big Ten opponent who is still a, a good team, you drop nine spots. I'm just going to, you know, take it or leave it. But I just... The SEC bias is a real thing. It is, so, and that's been part my, of my My issue. case is more about Alabama probably should have fallen farther than Iowa didn't, or than Iowa felt too far. Just to be clear about that, but had to get that off my chest. I'm not going to oppose that at all. That's why I had them a little bit lower. And yeah, it's a weird situation. Um, number four. Yeah, so my number four team was idle this week. Um, but I think that they've been playing incredible on both sides of the ball. I've mentioned how well they've been against the spread. We've talked about how good they are defensively, quick, fast. It just feels like they're a little bit different this year. Um, and again, if they beat Little Brother in two weeks, I think they'll definitely be in the top four. Um, and I think that's very likely that they could build over Alabama, who is currently uh, in that spot. Uh, and that's the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I um I'm still really I don't want to say not sold. Like I'm more sold on Michigan than I've been probably in the last 3 years or so. Um I still don't feel like they've faced a super tough opponent yet, but those games are coming and so they'll be pretty season defining games coming up here. Um for me number 4 is where I have Ohio State. <clears throat> um and I won't rehash a lot of this because I started saying it when we were talking about when you had them at seven. Um, to me, it's m- mostly just eyeball test. Like they're just putting up a lot of points every single week. They've um, their quarterback play has gotten better every week. Their offense looks more and more fluid every week. The defense gets better every week, and that's what you want. I mean, there's a reason that uh, Ryan Day has one regular season loss in his entire tenure at Ohio State. So. Um, they continue to get better and I think are priming themselves for a run at another big 10 championship. And again, they'll have a gauntlet of games ahead of them for sure. So we'll know, you know, if you want to do your like, will the real Ohio state please stand up? We'll definitely find that out here in the next few weeks with some very, very difficult um, big 10 opponents. Number three. Yeah. Number three. And very clearly, Oklahoma. the Oklahoma Sooners. And and again, I've mentioned earlier in this episode, which feels like you know yesterday at this point. But um, I, I think that there's very likelihood that they'll end up as the number two team in the country in the future. Uh, this new quarterback that they've got, 
um, and, and, and dynamic that he brings, it, it's totally different than what Spencer Rattler was doing. Uh, and he, they have become incredibly dangerous um, moving forward. Yes. Um, for me, number three, I have the Cincinnati Bearcats. And I only moved them up one spot because I didn't think they did enough to really jump Oklahoma. I, I, I have not felt like punishing Oklahoma. Oklahoma was a top four team from nearly the beginning of the season. And they've gotten punished for wins. Um, and I still maintain that their quality of teams top to bottom is better than Cincinnati's. And they've continued to win those games. And I think moving forward, they are going to be even better because of better quarterback play. Um, so I have Cincinnati at number three. Um, yeah, I won't go into my whole Cincinnati thing. Um, number two, I'm sure that you have them there, right? Yep. Number two, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, they, they 100% control their own destiny, destiny, win in their end, in my opinion. Uh, and again, I've mentioned that I think they could probably open three in the college football playoff, maybe four at worst. And as you want to mention, like you can't, you can't put them there now and then punish them for winning the rest of the way out. So in my opinion, they're the number two team in the country. Yeah. Uh, my number two team is Oklahoma. Um, again, I kind of gave more of a pitch for them than Cincinnati. Um, cause I don't think Cincinnati is the third best team in the country. Honestly, um, I think they've done enough to play themselves to that point. Um, I think Oklahoma is better. I think if they played, I would really, uh, th this would be an entertaining, if it does come down to this being a semifinal, I think this could be a really ent entertaining semifinal. Um, but uh, yeah, as of right now, I think Oklahoma is still the better team. So, um, and then I'll spoil it for everyone. Uh, we we both put Coastal Carolina as number one. Uh, Coastal didn't even make my honorable mention, so I punished them for, I guess maybe having a bye week. I don't think they played. I don't think. They played. Um, so I punished them for having a bye week. They're only a three and a half point favorite against App State this week. Um, now obviously the Georgia Bulldogs. We've said about all there is be said about Georgia. If anybody out there listening thinks that there's another team that deserves to be number one ahead of Georgia, I I don't even know what to say to you, except like maybe someone's been showing you video of like a different year of college football. You're not actually watching this year's games or something like that. It well, just they haven't even, had to score. So like that is a mark. They haven't had them. to score. It's their fatal flaw. <laughs> fatal flaw right there. Um, brother. All right. So to recap, outside looking in, um, Mark has Iowa. Excuse me. Mark has Notre Dame. I have Iowa. Uh, number 10, we both have Oregon. Number nine, Mark with Penn State. I have Oklahoma State. Number eight, Mark has Oklahoma State. I have Penn State. Number seven, uh, Mark has Ohio State. I have Michigan State. Number six, Mark, Alabama. I have Michigan. Number five, Mark has Michigan State. I have Alabama. Number four, Mark has Michigan. I have Ohio State. Number three, Mark has Oklahoma. I have Cincinnati. Number two, Mark has Cincinnati. I have Oklahoma. And number one, everyone and anyone who knows the least about college football has Georgia at number one. 
That's it for our week seven recap. Thank you for hanging out with us. I know this has been a longer one, but hopefully it's been entertaining. We kind of got into it about a couple different things there. Uh, as usual, we would love to hear some of your feedback and thoughts. I would really love to hear our listeners. Like, please give us some feedback on your thought on Cincinnati. I, I, I would be really curious outside of just the two of us. Like, we've gone back and forth a lot on it. Um, and that's what we enjoy. That's why we do the podcast. But we would, we would love to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, Matt, if you're listening, like you've had some good thoughts on the, on this, I would love to maybe pick your brain on whether or not you think they would deserve to get into the playoff with some of these teams that are sitting below them who are certainly going to have better, uh, resumes coming up. So we'll see how all of that shakes out. Uh, but we appreciate you hanging out with us. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TD podcast 2021 or on Twitter at TD podcast 2021. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed a uh, intriguing, I almost said interesting week of college football. One big upset, one crazy upset fan base and a lot of other mediocre, boring games. Looking at you, BYU. Have a great day.